Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sills. Happy Super Bowl Monday. I was just telling Tone, kind of sloppy in the first quarter. And then after that, every quarter of Super Bowl 58 got better. It got better. You saw genius. You saw future. You saw Legacy, there was a lot to like about that football game. And if you're the 49ers, you walk off the field just like the Eagles did a year ago. You can't make mistakes. Scoop and score fumble. Bad on special teams. It was almost a carbon copy of how that football team last year came back on you. Almost a carbon copy. You see, here's the difference between your quarterback and Mahomes in Kansas City. He can make mistakes and overcome them. The quarterbacks he plays against can't. I'm not saying Purdy did. I'm going to make a comment here. And we're going to talk about, obviously, the Hassan Reddick story. Um, Can I say this to you? Am I right, Josh Harris, the owner of the Sixers? Right? Josh Harris is the owner of the 76ers, right? And he's now the owner of the Commanders. Let me ask you this. You hired Dan Quinn, right? If you're going to hire Dan Quinn, how do not you look at a four-time Super Bowl defensive coordinator and Steve Spagnola? How, how don't you look at that? If you're going to go down that route, 
How don't you look at that? He's got four Super Bowl titles now as a DC. I mean, you hire Dan Quinn? Why? That guy is the best blitzer and situational blitzer and one of the greatest defensive coordinators I have ever seen when it comes to timely blitzing. It, it's, it's incredible. I'm also going to say this to you. No disrespect. You know, I'm not going to come out here today and go, Philadelphia Eagles, you, you fired a guy in Andy Reid who won his third Lombardi trophy last night. But I am going to say this here on this Super Bowl Monday. As a former player, if I'm Donovan McNabb, I look at that and go, wow, what a lost opportunity. I was with arguably one of the greatest minds in NFL history. And I couldn't win one. Not one. I'm not telling you to win three. But that's a lost opportunity. You were with one of the greatest minds in NFL history. And you couldn't capitalize on the opportunity that you had with him. And you didn't get it done. Well, that's on you, kid. Mahomes is more talented, Sills. I know. Yes, he is. He's a generational talent, for sure. I mean, when you watch him play. By the way, I'll make this comment to you about the whole Brady and Mahomes and whether or not Mahomes is the greatest quarterback of all time or this and that. I'll have a conversation with you on that. And and obviously, hey, you know, the tally matters when you have seven versus three. Absolutely, the tally matters. But, dude, McNabb, you blew an opportunity, kid, to be with one of the greatest minds of all time, and you didn't capitalize. That's kind of what I saw when Andy had that trophy in his hand. I, I I get the whole 14 years, probably you're right, all that. I get it. I'm talking about Donovan now. You have to look at that as a lost opportunity. Something else was very evident last night. How many people think that Kyle Shanahan is a really good play caller and schematically one of the greatest coaches in the game today? I happen to think that. But do you know what has become evident over the last – what is it? The Atlanta and the two Super Bowls that he's had as the head coach in San Francisco. He's really good at scheming people up. But can I tell you what I don't think he really is good at? His blocking schemes suffer. Quarterbacks get hurt. NFC title game. Reddick hits his quarterback, takes him out. And last night in a critical situation, Late in the ball game, nobody blocks Chris Jones. You have to throw the ball away. That was a critical series, and he couldn't do anything with it. In a moment where you needed everyone on the same page, 
How many times did we see penalties last night for the Niners in critical situations? Their blocking schemes just don't seem in sequence with the play caller, and it doesn't seem that it matches the skill set of the routes that they have for their guys. Every single time that there's a critical moment, there is a critical mistake in the O-line. It's like schematically, it's not in sequence. When you watch Andy Reid, everything is methodical. Everything is with patience. They stick to their guns. I told you, man, that's what really makes a great coordinator. Situational play calling and a feel for the game. That game last night in the overtime and in the fourth quarter and third quarter late, that wasn't analytics. That was a coach and a quarterback improvising on the fly and adjusting on the fly. Can, can I tell you what I think that play sheet is for Andy when you're late in ball games now? To me, I look at that play sheet for him, and it's like cliff notes. Let's do this. Let's do that. Let's do a variation of this. Andy Reid, without a doubt, in Mahomes, it's the closest thing I've seen to Bill Walsh and Joe Montana. It's just in sequence. You know, the, the problem with the game last night for the 49ers was this. Very simple. You kept, you know, you. If, if, I was just telling Tone, if you turn down, if you turn down the sound, okay, if you turn down the sound, the 49ers' talent was on display for three and a half quarters. They were the better football team. Fumble here, interception, uh, you know, three and outs. And you didn't capitalize. It was like I was telling Tone that it was like watching the 49ers play against the Eagles at Lincoln Financial where you guys got those field goals. You didn't take advantage. You didn't capitalize down in the red zone. That's exactly what happened against Kansas City. Fantastic stuff. Fantastic. We'll look at the numbers. By the way, we're going to get into the Hassan Reddick stuff Um, because I do think it's important here. Um, some landing spots too, potentially for, for Hassan Reddick. One notable spot I think makes a lot of sense. We'll talk about that and all that means also. Um, that game reminded me a lot of last year though. Three points. They came back again, being down second Super Bowl in a row. You know, the, the the conversation I hear a lot of people bringing up today about Mahomes versus Brady. Mahomes is by far a more gifted quarterback than Brady. Today, I can easily say that. Just like I tell you this all the time, that Aaron Rodgers is a more gifted quarterback than Tom Brady. That doesn't necessarily mean they play the position the same. You can have all the talent on the planet, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're a better – see, quarterback and athletic quarterback are two different people. Just because you're more gifted and you have more skill set, that doesn't mean you know how to get the ball in the end zone. It's processing information. Okay? Same thing – but when I watch Mahomes, it's different. It's just different. I mean, his athleticism, 
his three-quarter, you know, arm throws sometimes, his ambidextrous throws. It's just different. When you watch Mahomes, it's just different. How many how many people in here think that Michael Jordan's the greatest basketball player of all time? I'm going to show you where that the conversation about Brady versus Mahomes is closer than you think it is. How many people think that Jordan's the greatest basketball player to ever ever lace him up? Yes, Bob? Jordan's the GOAT? Nick says he's my GOAT. Okay. Well, if that's the case, okay, then he goes yes. So that means this then. You don't respect Bill Russell's 11 titles. He's got 11 to Jordan's six. He's almost doubled them. Do you really have to have the tally? Like when you look at Tiger Woods, do you go Jack Nicholas is greater than Tiger? Because he's got a couple more major championships? Or do you look at it and go like this? What does the tally actually mean? Look, I'm not dismissing Brady seven. Don't get that confused. I am not dismissing Brady seven titles. But to sit here and go just by the tally, I think you lose the argument with me. Do I think, I think if Mahomes wins two more, you could make the argument he's the greatest quarterback to ever play. Athletically and also on the field. I don't think the tally is as important as people think. People just gloss over Russell. He played against all the, that's not the point. Generationally, you'll never be able to match up which guy's better than the other guy. So if you can't do that, the tally also has to be taken into consideration. Okay? I mean, Russell's got 11 titles. That's your argument? Jordan's better than him. But Mahomes is not better than Brady. It doesn't work. That argument is flawed. That argument's flawed. So, I mean, greatest of all time? Now, do I think he has to have more titles? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. I do. But he's there. This is a more impressive dynasty than the Cowboy dynasty because it's in the salary cap era. Andy Reid has solidified himself on the Mount Rushmore of coaches in pro football history. I would take him over Landry. I would take him over Shula. I would take him over Hallis. I would take him, especially in today's NFL. Okay, the reason I wouldn't take him over Noel, Noel drafted his players and hired his coaches. Noel is actually like a modern-day Tomlin, but he won four titles in six years. There's a little difference. I mean, you could make the argument he's greater. Th- I'll tell you this. I'll make, a, I'll make a comment to you here. If Andy Reid wins a third straight NFL championship where no team has done that in the Super Bowl era, now remember something, the Packers are the last team 
to win three NFL titles in a row. Okay? 66, 67, and 68. Okay? First two Super Bowls and the last NFL championship. They're the last to do that. But if Andy Reid in the Super Bowl era, with the salary cap being the way it is, wins three NFL championships in a row, in the time frame of what he's done, you could make the argument that he's compatible with Lombardi. The craziest thing is he's doing it with nobodies. Travis Swift is the only weapon. Correct. The rest of those wide receivers are good. And what did we tell you? And we've been telling you this all year. And all of you guys and all of your A.J. Brown lovers, it's on display in Kansas City. You don't need a big-time wideout if you have a big-time quarterback. But if you don't have a big-time quarterback, you need big-time playmakers. Brock Purdy played a good game last night. Not exceptional. But even having all the playmakers wasn't enough. Jalen Hurts is not going into that Super Bowl with Dallas Goddard and beating that guy. Is anybody in the league, I don't think. Everyone's at a deficiency right now. I think the gap could almost be wider when you play Mahomes than when you play Brady. You, you can't make mistakes. He can. He throws his team out of trouble. Every single thing that he has done the last two years without Tyreek Hill has enhanced his legacy. It has enhanced his legacy. You took the greatest deep threat away. And you beat two great rosters in two consecutive years. Someone says, what was that? Dick riding? You bet. I reward greatness, not incompetence. Okay? Yes. Am I a guy that praises people? No. So before you start talking shit, I don't, my show is not a show that throws a lot of love at people. Okay? You, you have to be on, and, and, and by the way, what I said to you about Kansas City Kansas City's defense last night and Mahomes were the reason, and Andy Reid were the reason that they beat that team and beat you last year. And this year they're better. Hey, and by the way, when all you guys were laughing at me, Xander can attest to this. I know he watches the show. When I said, I want that kid McDuffie, that was the kid I wanted to draft with your picks. And 21, you said that kid from Washington? I go, yeah, I think that kid's a superstar. You guys all went, no. And, and I wanted the kid who's the linebacker down in Jacksonville, which are two number ones. 
you guys were like, no, no, no. Let's take Jordan Davis. And I'm going like, I don't think so. That kid is a weapon. He is a, I'll tell you this, Patrick Sertan, is he second or third? I don't know, maybe. I don't know, maybe. And Steve Spagnola, Brett Veach, and Andy Reid extended now the Kansas City Chiefs window of Super Bowl because they got rid of Tyree Kill. And every time I bring that shit up with you guys, guess what? I can't get rid of the best player on my team. Well, if that's the best player on your team, you're in trouble. You are in trouble. Okay? Sills, you were riding the 49ers to win out. I did. And? Let me tell you something there, Hoss. If I knew who was going to win a game on Sunday, I wouldn't be talking to your dumbass. That's for damn sure. There's no reason the 49ers should have lost that ball game except for Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and Steve Spagnola. You're not beating that team in a game that matters. Congratulations to your bronze medal win against the Chiefs this year. You beat them in the regular season. They have their third Lombardi in five years. They got better by the end of the year. You became a shit show by the end of the year. Incompetent coaching. Look at the coaching there in in Philly. Hmm. Chiefs are now a dynasty. We are honestly so lucky to go from watching one that was with Brady. Absolutely. I got you, senor. We're boys, man. You know better than that. Okay? Why is the... I, I do. Whatever, guy. Hey, dude, you don't like it? Go somewhere else. Everyone a Philly team drafts from Washington has been snake bitten. We're going to get into this here. Mahomes showed true leadership. They collapsed this year and found a way to fix it with great leadership. Yeah, staying the course, not deviating, believing in your coaching, having blind faith because the process is delivered. Absolutely. That organization right now is strong from the top down. The owner and Clark Hunt, the general manager and Brett Veach, the head coach and Andy Reid, all of these people are Hall of Famers. Steve Spagnuolo is going to go into the Hall of Fame. Okay? Going to go into the Hall of Fame as a contributor because of the four titles he won as a coordinator. This is the guy that beat Brady in the Super Bowl with the Giants. This guy beat Brady in the Super Bowl. And now he's won four titles. This guy has more championships and has been responsible for more championships as a defensive coordinator, and he can't get a look. But your dumbass sixer owner, Josh Harris, hires Dan Quinn. 
explain that to me. Where in the world does Dan Quinn get the job over that guy? If you're going to hire a defensive-minded guy, why Dan Quinn? Between Dan Quinn and Kyle Shanahan, they will show you without a doubt how to screw up a Super Bowl. How in the world do you hire Dan Quinn? Why? Because he was a Cowboy coordinator? From what I'm understanding, they wanted his ass out of there. Man. By the numbers. Here, here, here was my takeaways. Again, um... 15 makes plays when you need him. He just makes plays. McCaffrey was great. But what did I tell you on Friday? Do you remember what I said? If Kansas City runs the ball for more than 120 yards, it's over. We'll get to the numbers. Remember what I said? If Kansas City and Pacheco and that team get over 120 yards, it's over. Niners had that game. Um, Kelsey came alive in the second half. He had one yard in the first half. I thought San Francisco and Steve Wilkes did a great job on him. By the way, I mean, Chase Young made some money in that Super Bowl. I'm Eagles through and through, but I don't understand the Shanahan slander. Andy didn't win shit here and the league still had love for him I, I I got it I got it okay I'm, I'm not I'm not Kyle Shanahan ran into a buzzsaw because he didn't take advantage in the first half of that game when they didn't if you had to sound down like I said right you would have swore they were up two TDs Here's, a, here's two. Why in the world would Kyle Shanahan take the ball in overtime? Put the pressure on the quarterback on the other side. You'll know what you have to do. Kick a field goal. You gave all the advantage away when you gave them the ball. You gave Patrick Mahomes the ball? Why? I mean, you, you took the ball? Why did you take the ball? Kansas City then knew what they needed to do. Why did you defer it? As soon as that went down like that, I went, did the Niners take the ball? Why would they do that? It made no sense. It really didn't. Got lost in the game a bit. I'll say it one more time about Shanahan's blocking schemes. There's always a situation in any game that he coaches where there's a blunder in blocking. Something happens in a moment that's critical that they just don't make the right blocking assignments. I mean, Chris Jones came alive in the second half. He almost knew exactly what was going on. I mean... 
it just became predictable in the blocking schemes. Oh, and by the way, this is a note here for your general manager, Howie Roseman. I thought the linebacking play on both sides of the football were exceptional. And that guy, Gay Jr., who plays linebacker and all you guys hated, I thought he had an exceptional football game, and he's a free agent. And you guys think that guy sucks. That guy made plays all over the field. Once again, not knowing what you're talking about. And you can get him for $6.5 That's his market value. Instead, you're going to go to war with those shit cans. You might want to think about it and maybe make an investment. I thought the linebacking play was exceptional. Donkey goes, Sills, what's it going to take for the Eagles to be the new Chiefs? Get a quarterback that's Patrick Mahomes. And if you can't, you got to keep building the way you're building. Finding Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady and Joe Montana, those guys don't come around. You don't have the quarterback. Neither do 31 other teams. Wait, did not Did they really say Willie, Willie Gay sucked? No way that said, Sills. Tell me you're wrong. Gay was on fire. Last week they said it. They thought the guy, they didn't like him. They wanted the queen guy and all this other, and I was like this. Don't you remember last week? I was bringing up linebackers for the Eagles and somebody that you could play in the sandbox with. Oh, like that, that Willie Gay Jr. guy, man. You know, I don't know. He was a machine last night. He wasn't quite Fred Warner, but you ain't getting him because he was a monster last night. Fred Warner may have been the third best player on the field last night. Okay? He was exceptional in that defense. By the way, I thought I didn't think Steve Wilkes was awful. Guy's a free agent. You might want to look at him. But then again, your pathetic general manager doesn't like to spend money at the linebacking position. Here are the numbers. Overtime, 25-22. Kansas City wins their third Super Bowl in five years. Incredible. Kansas City, 24 first downs. San Francisco, 23. Total play, 79-71. Favor of KC. Total yards, 455-382. Close game. 325, 272 in passing. Sacks count. Here's the number. Rushing. Kansas City, 130. Over. And especially, by the way, dual threat. Dual threat. I'll get to it in a minute. Two turnovers apiece. I'll show you what the number is that won that Super Bowl. Purdy, 23 of 38, 255, one touchdown, 89-3. Solid Super Bowl performance. Not great, not horrible, didn't cost them the game. Mahomes, 
33, first 300-yard game in a Super Bowl. Two TDs, a pick, 99-3. Exceptional. McCaffrey, 22-80. And here is the number. Mahomes, nine carries, 66 yards. Over. Pacheco at 59. When he got out in the perimeter, he became a weapon. You had to keep the linebackers home. They started running design plays against the Niners. You even heard Romo go, they saved it for the Super Bowl. Because if you're hurt, you're hurt. You got 10 months to heal. They brought out all the running plays for Mahomes. There were like six design plays on running plays for him. Jalen Hurts. Oh, excuse me. Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes was a dual threat guy. Had to be. Had to be to get those wideouts open more. To keep them home. To bring them up more on the line of scrimmage. Early in the game, they were playing back in zone. What brought that zone up? Dual threat. Dual threat. That's why people had picks on Jalen. They just sat back there. And he was told where to throw it. Mahomes breaking out in the open like that opened up the entire offense in the second half. He ran most of those yards in the second half. Hold on. No. Okay. And, and Tone asked, right. Now, hold on, Sills. Which is it? Is dual threat valuable or not? Do you think the style, when you're Patrick Mahomes and you turn yourself into a dual threat quarterback, who Jalen's not, Jalen has to play that style to win. Mahomes had to play that style to win that game. But that's Jalen's style. Did you see the style of play? Look, you're never going to confuse Patrick Mahomes with Jalen Hurts. But he was the 2022 version of Jalen Hurts in that ball game. Would you agree? Would you not agree? That's almost exactly the numbers Jalen Hurts had last game that they played in the Super Bowl. Mahomes doesn't have to play like that. But he had to play like that in that game against the Niners. See, you didn't play that way this year against the Niners. Hurts didn't run the ball. Jalen Hurts is a dual-threat quarterback. Mahomes isn't really. But he can be if he has to be. There lies the difference. He's multi-talented and multifaceted to be able to do anything like a chameleon in a ball game. Your guy's not capable of being just a pocket passer. That guy can do anything. Ambidextrous, left hand, right hand, run the ball, not run the ball. They don't want him running the ball during the regular season. They'd rather lose a game than have him run. Shit, they don't even do the short yardage plays with him anymore. 
after he got hurt in that Tennessee game. He can do anything he wants. Jalen can't. Jalen's got to play dual threat all the time to win. If he sits back in the pocket, he's Brock Purdy. Seriously, when I was watching in the second half of that game, Mahomes, you know what I thought of? Jalen Hurts 22 in that Super Bowl last year. Too bad we didn't see that one time in 23. That looked like Hurts. My point is, that's what made Jalen Hurts a weapon, and that's what made Mahomes a weapon. He's not going to play like that all the time. Mahomes is not a dual-threat guy, but he was last night. Was he not? Led his team in rushing. Accounted for 399 yards. Almost 400 yards in total offense. Did he not? Seals, you comparing him to the best quarterback in the world. Well, yeah. When you pay somebody that money, yeah, that comes with the territory, kid. And just like with Josh Allen and Joe Burrow and the rest of these guys, they don't pan out, I'm not paying it. Brock Purdy lost by the same amount of points you did, and you paying the guy $50 million. Okay? And Brock Purdy probably made as many mistakes as Hurts did in that game. My, my, my point again is, unless you have that guy or somebody who can carry your football team, you're not beating Kansas City. They have too much coaching, too much experience. You're just not doing it. It's not happening. I surrender to it like we did with Brady. I never thought I would get into a position where I did this. If Montana's on the field, I'm not betting against Joe. If Brady's on the field, I'm not betting against him. I will never bet against 15 again. Not happening. And you know what? You can't bet against 15 and Reed. Andy Reed's design plays to freeze the backers, to turn them into a dual-threat quarterback, to improvise on the fly, to make him and run design plays that weren't even in the playbook all year, to confuse San Francisco in the second half, make him run design play runs, confused the Niners. It was brilliant coaching. It was just brilliant coaching. Sills, KC has a superstar quarterback who made solid players look good and good players great. By holding AJB to Hurts, we stunned Hurts' ability to develop that. That's a that's my point. AJ Brown doesn't help Jalen Hurts if he's really the guy. Do you agree that Brock, do, do you agree that Mahomes is a better quarterback today than he was three years ago when he won the Super Bowl? Hertz is not a bum. That's not true. Okay? He's not a bum. 
Why, why do you think he's better? He's got to be more patient with the younger guys. Okay? If you sit here and tell me, and I've heard everyone say this, AJ makes Hurts a better player. You lost me. Should be reversed. The quarterback should be making him a better player. Because if you need that player to win a game, again, what are we doing wrong here? How many different targets did uh, Mahomes hit last night? Ten? Nine? How many different targets? How many did they target last night? When Mahomes started running the RPO, those linebackers, exactly. They ran the RPOs in the second half. Now, look. Do you think Kansas City is going to run RPOs next year? Absolutely not. That was play calling. That was situational play calling, bringing it out when they needed it. Andy Reid is such a great play calling coach. I mean, they were calling plays they hadn't called all year because they had the guy in the building. Hey, we're going to run a design play. We're going to run an RPO here. Again, when Hurts plays like that, when Hurts sits in the pocket, he's purdy. I'm just showing you the difference. Now, look, again, he's not a dual-threat guy, but he can be. But they're not going to put a half a billion dollar guy in a dual-threat situation because at the end of the day, Mahomes doesn't need to do that. But he had to last night, so he improvised. Hertz went one and seven down the line because he couldn't improvise. That's player development. That's developing a talent. In-game situation. Now, look, we're talking about Mahomes. Is it is it unfair? Yeah, well, that's the guy you got to beat. Well, we beat him in a regular year. <laughs> that doesn't count. Because that game doesn't matter. He's that doesn't matter. The last game of the year matters. That's the only thing that matters. That the game. I thought Kansas City hung in there. They were getting pushed around. They were getting pushed around all night long. And they were getting dominated on the line of scrimmages, especially in the first half. Then Mahomes took off running. Froze the backers, and everything came back to Kansas City. And on top of that, Kyle Shanahan panicked and got away from the run game. I think he tried to get into a back and forth with Andy Reid. And I think his ego got in the way a little bit. Isn't it funny watching some of these play callers sometimes? You know, they see somebody making strides and they want to match it. Tit for tat. And all of a sudden you, you realize you're getting away from what you were dominating that team with. And you complete. Look how easy that thing got away. And by the way, 
just the mistakes you make. And then when the ball hits the heel of the 49er guy on special teams, that shit all adds up. You give yourself no latitude on mistakes because that guy can have mistakes and still beat you. Reddick is not getting a first-round draft choice. Absolutely not. I would not give a first-round draft choice to a guy who's one-dimensional. Cue ball. A first and a fifth for Sertain and Reddick. Oh, oh, you're saying Reddick, a first and a fifth for Sertain. Let's get into that now. Why do you guys think that the Philadelphia Eagles have allowed Hassan Reddick to look for another team for a trading partner? And he's been given permission by the forty by the Philadelphia Eagles. Why do you think he's been given permission by the Eagles to seek a trade? Jay scheme to test his market value. That's not a bad. That's not a bad one either. Because they have to pay Smith. They're not paying Smith anything for the next two years. Because the Eagles will match it, highly doubtful. That's counterproductive. If he gets an offer out there that equals the money he's making now or he gets more money, the Eagles aren't offered. They're not going to match that. Absolutely not. The Eagles want him to take a pay cut. And he's going to find a market value. And he's going to find that there's no teams that are going to pay $15 million for the current deal that he has right now. And this is what they've told him. He has the highest cap hit on the team. Q, here's what they're doing. And this is how this works. Hey, you, you're allowed to go seek a trade. And when no team comes forward, that's right. That's what, remember what I said to him last week? I'd call his bluff. That's right. He believes he's worth $20 million. Not happening. And the Eagles think otherwise. Find out your market value, and if you find someone, we will gladly send you over there and get some equity back and some draft picks. Until then, you'll get restructured and a bag of money at your feet. That's exactly what they're doing. They're not budging off the number. They want to restructure at the same number. He thinks he's a $20 million guy. There's not a team out there that'll pay him that. Can't tackle, can't cover. He's one-dimensional. And he really doesn't fit in a Vic Fangio scheme. You know what? You know what? You know what's funny? Um, we'll talk about that Belichick, um, or we'll talk about uh, Kelsey and Reed and that whole fiasco. Thank God they won, or that would have been a bigger issue, at least media wise. But he, let, let's stay on par here with um, with Reddick. Hassan Reddick is, quite frankly paid exactly what he should be. I think the numbers are around right for an elite pass rusher. But when I posted and said that this guy's not complete, he's not a Michael Parsons, he's not. I'm not saying Parsons has a clean game either, but he can cover, he can tackle, and he can pass rush. Is Redick a better pass rusher? Yes, but he's by far an inferior tackler, and he's by far an inferior person and pass coverage. We see that every time he drops back. It's an abortion. It's an absolute abortion. And you can't do anything with an edge rusher who can't cover. 
I mean, he was not very good at any of those other skill sets. And you want me to try to that, get this. Here's the problem that you have with Reddick. So if Reddick is going to try to find a place like Indianapolis, we'll say, seems to be a place that could potentially land there or the Rams. So you're going to ask a D coordinator to make a position up and change the scheme up for a guy who's one dimensional at $15 million or to his number 20 million. No way. I'd rather play a lesser guy who has more skill. He doesn't have a lot of skill. Is he a great athlete? Yeah. Is he a good football player? Kind of. Is he a great pass rusher? Yes. Is he a good football player? I don't know. He can't tackle and he can't cover. What do you want me to say? And every time every one of you have watched him go in coverage, it's an abortion. And Fangio knows that. Actually, in theory, Hassan Reddick, if he don't get home, he hurts the defense. He doesn't help him. That's why Sweat's your best player and your highest market value player on your team defensively. Did you ever wonder? Well, Sills, this guy's got four years of double-digit sacks. Well, why isn't his market value higher than Josh Sweat, who didn't have a sack, had one sack down the stretch, and he's still at $20.1 million? You answer your own question. There's more of a value with Josh Sweat. Teams look at him and go, Three down D lineman can pass rush, can play to run, sets the edge well. Reddick does none of that shit. Okay. He just doesn't. I mean, Ringo, if he doesn't get home, he's useless. And when, and, and when people use the word scheme, how many schemes does that guy fit in? One? Philly. And you were horrible against the pass this year, and your sack volume was down by half. I have no problem getting rid of this guy. Or I'll do this. I'll give you a contract extension. Like I said last week, restructure your deal, but I'm not giving you a cent above $15 million. And I have to lower your salary and your base for this to work. Did you find a team? No. Okay. Well, then I'm going to offer you less. We want you to take a pay cut. We'll give you more money up front, but we want to take it down from 15 to 10. And that will blow his mind. And it'll hold out. And it'll be beneficial to the Eagles not to have him on the field. Be like having a player dead cap money. He hurts the scheme and the integrity of the defense. He doesn't help. Are you, are, I'll tell you this. When Reddick, the year he had 16 sacks, 
and he was number one in cause fumbles and quarterback hits and sacks in the on third down. That's worth every cent of it and more. When you don't have a consistent year where you're and you're that guy, like a Miles Garrett or players like that, like TJ Watt, and players that have and put up that kind of year every year, you're not worth it. You were a one-year hit wonder that gets sacks. And by the way, I'm not saying that there's not a premium on a guy getting home. There is. There's a premium on it. But he's asked to do more things at that position, cover and cover tight ends. You do understand the last three years, one of the reasons that you've been so poor covering tight ends is because of him. He's he is what makes Jake Ferguson look great. I have no problem being hard with him. I have no problem. And 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 the value that I think he has, I saw people go in Sills. I'm not trading him for anything less than a one. You couldn't get a one for him at best. Guy really doesn't have a position. Three. Just because the volume of sacks. Let me tell you this. If I took the sacks away, I wouldn't give you a fifth rounder for him. If I took the sacks away from Michael Parsons, I'd give you a third rounder for him. With the sack, I'd give you two ones for him. You see where I'm at? You take one of his you take his strength away, he's not that valuable. He's not a valuable asset. Except the sack numbers save him. Like when you got great corners, guy could play zone, guy could play man. And he's a takeaway machine like Sertain. That guy's worth $20 million. He's worth $20 million. So, Jets, would they be interested? Cleveland? You got to remember, you got to look at Houston with the money. You got to look at teams with the money for somebody like this. 49ers, 11 picks. I saw that. By the way, I, 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 heard, I heard Bill earlier today talking about the 49ers are in trouble because they got $570,000 in cap space. Well, they don't have a lot of holes. I mean, it's not like they have to sit there and fill holes like the Eagles do. The Eagles are in better shape. No, they're not. They got a ton of work to do. They got to find players. Niners don't. I think the Niners are sitting great. Restructure some contracts, lose some, some money up. You don't have to pay the quarterback. What holes do they have to fill on their team? Their salary cap? Okay, they're at $570,000 in cap space. What hole would they have to fill? Hufanga comes back next year, too. You're not see when you when you're when you're a team like the Niners and you don't have a lot of cap space, but you don't have a lot of holes to fill I mean at the end of the day what are we talking about here you don't there's not a position on that field that they have to spend 10 million dollars at backup LT sure 
The Niners have no holes. So they're not going to really do a lot of work in free agency this coming year. Okay? They're not winning the big one with Purdy Sills. Are you winning the big one with Hurts? I didn't think Brock Purdy played poorly in that game. You're going against Patrick Mahomes. If Mahomes is in that game, and with Andy Reid as his jockey, you gotta do you've gotta be flawless. And if you're not, dude, that guy could turn the ball over twice, and he did, or they did. And they're going to beat you if you turn it over twice. <clears throat> Hurts on the Chiefs is a 100% Super Bowl win. Never happen. Never happen. So you just think he can win a Super Bowl with Travis Kelsey. Mm. Sorry, I disagree. And again, don't compare your guy. Hey, by the way, I'm not comparing Josh Allen to him either. I'm not comparing Joe Burrow to him. Do you know what a win like that does for somebody like Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid? It solidifies what they're doing and validates what they're doing. Look how far behind you are in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, at the Novacare Center coaching-wise. Just in coaching. Let's just take a look at that. Look how pathetic you are compared to that. And you know what sucks? You have better talent than them. And look how far behind you are. You're, you're like a solar system away from them. You're like a galaxy from them. It's like a galaxy. From the innovative thinking, the analytics, non-analytics, the situational play calling on both sides of the ball or something that you could sit in a classroom and just watch for 12 hours and dissect. How many times did Spagnola dial up the proper blitzing at the right time? And Purdy wasn't awful. He was 11 and 19 for 120 yards against the blitz. It wasn't terrible. But in critical situations that they needed to get it done, Spags got it done. That touchdown at the end and the game winner by Andy Reid was a thing when he put that guy in motion and that guy came down, it automatically puts him at a deficiency where the guy coming out, it's a false step open. It's just brilliance. He, the motion is what made the play. 
Of course, the guy has to make the catch. But it, you saw it when the motion, I did at least, when the motion came down and that guy took three steps. Three steps. I think maybe even two steps. Towards the line of scrimmage, I said, touchdown. Roll out, throw. Incredible. Just the design. Have you ever seen anything like that in three years in Philadelphia for Jalen Hurts? Last year, even you said Hurts outplayed Mahomes in the Super Bowl and Gannon not adjusting to us. Um, I told you this before about outplaying Mahomes. You mean he outstatted him. Okay? He outstatted him. Again, when you make plays that matter in a game like that, don't ever tell me a guy with bigger stats. I've seen Jalen not have stats in a game, and Jalen outplayed like Dak Prescott. In the game at Lincoln Financial, when, when Dak had all those yards, I thought Hurts outplayed him. I thought he completely outplayed him because he made plays when he had to. Coaching matters. Dave Merritt, fifth win out of six Super Bowls. That whole coaching staff is spectacular. Okay? All, I, all I'm telling you is that was fabulous coaching last night. Man, Andy Reid. And again, I opened up the program by saying, where was McNabb in all this? Surely, I get it. Reed's a better coach today. He's more comfortable in his skin. Um. Hey, by the way, that Travis Kelsey scene on the sidelines, you know, my, my wife said something. She goes, if that were me, I would have sent his ass to the locker room. And I said this, not me. I'm not penalizing the rest of my team because Travis Kelsey's an asshole. I'll get his ass after, and we'll have a come-to-Jesus conversation. But I'm not doing that, and nor would anyone else. She goes, with Jimmy, you think anybody like Michael Irvin's going to push Jim? No, I don't. I think what Kelsey did was he took advantage of his relationship with Andy in a moment, and it got the best of him, and he's a child, and he's immature. That's an immature moment. It'll be good for his um, – his podcast with his brother, and they could sit there and fart around with that thing on a very uncool situation. It was totally uncool. And um, I do not condone it. However, I'm not benching a dude that the only weapon that I have as a decoy and a weapon and a guy who almost had 100 yards in the second half and helped me win the Super Bowl, benching him so that I could lose the game? What are you, crazy? I'm not doing that. And anybody who says they would... You're stupid, and that's what makes you dumb. It's like that dumb thing, well, the guy played for the Cowboys. That's stupid thinking. Now, after the game, we're going to have a heart-to-heart. There's fines. I, I could suspend you next year for a couple games, but I'm not doing it in the Super Bowl. Let me suspend. Let me send you to the locker room in the Super Bowl. I'd rather send your ass and not have you play in the Carolina Panther game next year. Hey, you're not playing, okay? 
first game of the year, you're not opening up when we drop the banner. I'll punish your ass that way. Why not? That's got significance too. You're going to be dropping a banner on a Thursday night next year, and he's not active because he was an asshole on the sidelines. Benching him in a Super Bowl. You can't be more dumber. Not happening. Again, I'm not condoning it at all. I think it's a complete childish, immature, and he's immature. Okay? He was. But he was also spectacular in that game. Just... I, I, and I'm hearing all these people... Look, his relationship with Reed, he took advantage of it. And it wasn't cool. And he bumped him. I saw it. My wife goes, hey, and by the way, the A.J. Brown comment? Absolutely. Now, I, I, I do, and I, I hate to have to do this. Because, but I have to. If that was a black receiver like A.J. Brown or Stefan Diggs or anyone else, would other people be saying different things? I wouldn't be, and I wouldn't suspend them guys either. But it has to be said because we're in a white and black situation in this country today, and it is true. My wife said that, and I agree with her. If that was a black player, he'd be kicked out of the league. AJ said something like that. He'd be suspended for the rest of his life. My wife always tells me, hey, don't sound like a white guy. She's right. I'm talking as a football player and as a coach. I'm not suspending anybody. You think Jimmy Johnson suspended Michael Irvin when Michael Irvin got caught with cocaine and they were getting ready for the playoffs? He didn't. Sills, Travis is a diva. They should trade him, right? Absolutely not. You coach that. Hey, are black players held to a different standard? Do I have to answer that? Seriously, do I have to answer that? Because if I do, then you're just, you know, I don't know what you're looking for. I know the difference. I'm one of the very few people that say, I, I've been saying it for 30 years, black athletes are treated differently and covered differently in this country than white athletes. AJ supposedly came out and said he never said that. I saw that too, but I think the context is right. I don't think, again, he may not or may have said it, but I do think the context is fair to have to bring up. If that was anyone else, or how about AJ on the sidelines when he was called to cancer in the Eagle locker room? Facts, you can't sacrifice the whole organization, hard work for the whole season to make an ego statement right there. That's what I'm saying, Warrior. I'm not throwing um, Travis Kelsey into the locker room and into the into the abyss when I need him the most to win me a Super Bowl. I'm not doing any of that. Okay? Not happening. But I'll get him just to let him know that, hey, this is all about respectability too. Andy kind of blew it off and so did Travis. And I think what really blew it off more was that they won. Again, did I think it was over the top? Completely. I'm not condoning it, but I'm not sacrificing the other 52 guys because of one asshole and then a guy I need. Who would do that to make an ego point? 
You know who would do that? Who, 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 who would do something like that? Would Belichick? Probably. Okay. I say 90% of the coaches might. That's right. He did it with Marcus Butler in Super Bowl 52. He was late to a practice or a meeting on a Saturday night before the game. Yes. He was late. He was late to a team meeting. And he he was notified right before the game he's not dressing. I think those are st- I think those are stupid moves. Because you're sacrificing the rest of your team. I'm playing the best players I have on my roster and then after this I'm going to come down on you like a ton of bricks. Fines. You're not hey. You know, my relationship is different now. I mean, and it's even not about embarrassing It's about protocol. You're the player, I'm the coach. There's a line. Know your role, kid. Hey, Sills, the reason Mahomes is better today is because he's surrounded by a professional staff. Yes. How about this, Bob? Let's do this. Bob, if Jalen Hurts had the Steve Spagnola and Andy Reid staff, in Super Bowl 57. How do you think that outcome would have came? What would have been? Versus Mahomes. Let's flip the staffs. You put Sirianni on Can. How about this one? You put Sirianni on the Kansas City staff with Mahomes. You put the Andy Reid staff in Philly in Super Bowl 57. Eagles win. It's my takeaway. Dude, Brock Purdy did not play poorly in that ball game. He did not play poorly. Um, one more thing on the Hardgrave, or excuse me. Oh, by the way, Javon Hardgrave played his ass off. He was sensational in that ball game. I, I, I thought he had a hell of a ball game. Javon Hardgrave played great. And I, by the way, I thought Chase Young played great. I saw a Randy Gregory sighting. Boza was sensational. I think Steve Wilkes had a great game. It, it, they, it was just too many three and outs. They got away from the running. And I think at this, I don't think Steve Wilkes was the reason that that football team lost the 49ers. I think it's more in Shanahan's lap. And Shanahan's going against Reed. Here, let me show you something here before we go to timeout here. And this goes to Tone's point here. 
Most Super Bowl losses by coach. You know, Don Shula's got four losses. Bud Grant's got four. Dan Reeves has four. Marv Levy has four. Tom Landry has three. Belichick has three. Shanahan now has two. Shula, Grant, Levy, Landry are Hall of Fame coaches. And Belichick's going too. Now, the only difference is here is that Shula won a Super Bowl. He won two of them. And Landry won two. And Belichick won six. He's six and three in Super Bowl appearances. But all those coaches have high volume losses. I mean, who would have? I, I, I was shocked actually when I saw Shula have four losses. I didn't realize that Shula had as many Super Bowl losses until I remembered that he was the head coach of that Baltimore Colts team that Namath beat. It wasn't Wee Bubank, it was him. Sales, I might not love all your takes, but you do tell it how it is, and I respect that. Must be a Capricorn thing. It is. It is. Reed has two losses, too. That's right. He's now three and two in Super Bowls. God, can you? Hey, too bad Hargrave didn't practice the same situation needed to ice the game. 49ers defense got a little deflated with Greenlaw's news. Man, that thing was weird. Blues Achilles out going onto the field like that. Just bad luck, man. That could happen to anybody at any time. That was some bad luck. Absolutely. That was terrible. Kyle Shanahan's going to have to wear this stuff. By the way, I'm going to say it again. You know, one thing, again, when I was listening to Bill earlier, I'm not so disappointed in their cap space because at the end of the day, that's really not the issue because they don't have a lot of holes to fill in San Francisco. But you know what they are doing? This is what Tony and I talk about all the time. They're running out of runway. And what I mean by that is when these deals come up and that pretty deal's looming, man, if I'm John Lynch, I got a calendar. Brock Purdy is going to have a four or a five in his contract. And all those... All those deals you have with Christian McCaffrey and Debo and Boza and Hardgrave. Hardgrave's the first to go, probably. And all those guys, Warner and them guys, those guys are going to be in the target range. They get moved to the target range. Who goes? We're in a cap. You know, the league loves parity. I say the Niners have this year and maybe a little bit of next year before they've got to win. They got to win, man. Dude, that was as much of a catastrophic loss for the Niners as it was for the Eagles a year ago because of the amount of money and the amount of time that you're going to get when you start paying your quarterback. Again, Jalen's hits are not really catastrophic to the cap. Okay, I get it. But you got major deals coming up. You're already telling your best pass rusher. Go find a team. Okay? 
Your, your runway's running out. Okay. All right. Today, little change in the rotation. We are going to have our friend Tone at 4.30. He's going to close us out at 4.30. Mark Farzett is going to join us at the bottom of the hour. And we're going to get Farzee's take on the Super Bowl and also all the Eagle news, especially the Hassan Reddick stuff. And we'll get his comments. I had a chance to talk to uh, Britton Covey over the weekend, and I'll tell you what he said to me. Um, he was on the way home from Vegas, and I'll tell you what he said. Hit the like button. Keep it here, National Football Show. bubbles and the bubbly go for the story and the stories go for the win go to ocean casino resort book your trip at theoceanac.com Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Mark Farsetta will join us here in a couple minutes. Hey, man, I thought Usher was good. If it wasn't for the fact he was groping uh, Alicia Keys, I thought he did a really good job. 
I mean, it was a good performance. I thought he did a really nice job, but I could have done without the groping of Alicia Keys. But other than that, I thought he was great. I mean, yeah. I mean, if I was like Alicia Keys's husband, I'd be like, "Damn, dog." I mean, we're good, right? I I thought he was no tone. I thought he was great. I, I really, I did. I thought he was. I thought he was spectacular. I mean. I don't know, man, if that was my wife on stage or like that. <laughs> hey, I felt <laughs> a Fergus, yeah, Circus Soleil, right? I was like this. I thought I was in the Chez Paris up in, uh, not that I know what that is. It's a club up in Montreal. Yeah, you can uh, Google it if you'd like. But, um, yeah, it's called the Chez Paris, <laughs> if you know what I mean. All right? All right. No, I thought he was great. I really did. Um. Before I reset and get into a little more with um, Hassan Redick here, and more about the game, obviously, Mark Farzetta is going to join us in a second. May I ask an opinion on something here? And he says, I think I saw that chick Chandler on the <laughs> right on, right? I'm going to ask a question. And I'm not going to make it political. So you guys really, I saw, I saw Paul have a, have a problem with Trent Cole walking on stage with Donald Trump. Do you have a problem with that? I didn't. I think a guy can believe in his religion and his politics and whatever he wants. It doesn't mean changes my opinion of the player because I don't have a personal relationship with Trent Cole, and nor do you. I was just curious. Or, or do you think you have oh, – I, I, I'm, I'm impervious to it. I, I didn't like it or hate it. I didn't care. I, I, I didn't care either way. I, I mean, because uh, what's next? Are you going to start telling a guy what religion to believe in? Or you have a problem with this religion versus that religion? That's the problem with our country, man. We have problems with the visual. I don't, it doesn't affect me. It's not my business what a guy does. Guy was a great eagle, right? Guy was a great eagle. I, I, I don't have an opinion on it, really. So I don't care. Why, why does any, why does it? I saw so many people and I saw like your Hall of Fame voter have a problem with it because he called Trump a racist. And I'm like, where do you come off attacking somebody for their political angle? That's not for him to say. I mean, again, M. Reyes goes, Trump is a traitor to the U.S. It's not what I'm talking about. You can think that. I'm not saying that you're not wrong or right. But you have no right to tell a guy what to believe in. I, you know, it's funny because I get into conversations with my aunt and my wife about this. And I tell them, don't ever tell anybody what to think. You have no place in people's lives like that and what to think or what to believe in. Every individual has a right, right or wrong. It's enough of that. I just thought it was weird 
that the Philly media started attacking him. I was like, how's that a position of yours? It's really weird how people involve their life in your life. I don't give a shit what you think. Okay. And now you're, you're probably, hey, I'm awake. Are you, you're probably right. You can't control it. Cause people are going to, people have strong opinions on shit like that. But I just, um, man, I, Hey, you know, no, I loved Usher. Don't get it wrong. Don't get it wrong. I thought he was good. I thought he was all over Alicia though, man. By, by the way, I thought she looked good in that red outfit, man. She's always great though. Ain't she? Man, what a great voice on her. I do dig her, man. Absolutely. All right. How many... Tony, you got to love Alicia Keys, man. Alicia, she... Oh, yeah. No, I... See? Hey, hey, Tone. You know, I told you last week, Tone. I like the shelf. You know, I'm a... I'm a shelf guy. (laughs) I don't even know what I'm doing. I have no idea what I'm doing. I just, I, I, you know what I'm saying there, Tony? I mean, you know what I mean? That's kind of my deal there, man. Yeah, I'm, uh, no, no, no. I just, you know, yeah, okay. Yeah, no, I love her, man. She's like one of my favorite performers. Rihanna, too. Oh, absolutely, Rihanna. Yes, sir. Rihanna's in the room, too, man. It's, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, a, a tone, a big old swan dive, right? <laughs> I got you, man. <laughs> hey, hey, you think I'm a high diver? How you doing? <laughs> oh, yeah. That, hey, hey, so everyone, that's my kind of girl there, man. Yes, sir. How you doing? All right, let me, let me move on. Boy, I went from Trump to that. <laughs> <clears throat> How did I do that? I went from Trent Cole to Trump to Alicia Keys to, to, to Cliff Diving. Only I could probably do that. Shakira too. Oh, Maron. Oh, my God. Oh, Shakira, absolutely spectacular. Okay. Seals, I bet you believe the whole conspiracy Involving the Chiefs, Taylor Swift, and Biden. I don't really care. I watched the Super Bowl. I thought it was cool she was there. I thought it was cool she was supporting him. And that's another thing I don't give a shit about. (laughs) Hey, I don't give a shit about Trent Cole and Trump. And I don't give a shit about Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. I don't care. Do I think it's good for the league? I do. Is it great that she is visible at NFL games? Yeah, it's great for the brand. I could care less about any of that other stuff. Yes, sir. Woo. Oh, hey. Before I bring another Paisan on, boy, I'm going to just sit here. Do me a favor. Before Farzetta comes on here, close your eyes just for a moment. Farzetta's probably having his uh, espresso right now anyway, so he'll be jacked up. And So just do me a favor. 
What would Donovan McNabb be thinking after Reed's holding up that third Lombardi trophy and think to himself, how come I couldn't have capitalized off that guy's genius more? I'm over the fact that you guys fired him. Listen, 14 years, you guys are right. 14 years of not winning anything. I can't think of a coach who's lasted longer at a place that never won a, a championship. You're all right. I'm not debating that anymore. I, 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 you're right. But for Donovan McNabb, what do you think he's thinking about Andy Reid right now with Mahomes? Let's bring Mark Farzett in here. Mark, how you doing, brother? I'm doing excellent. I'm reminded of uh, Allen Iverson calling Larry Brown when Larry Brown won his first championship and only championship with the Detroit Pistons. And he said, coach, it should have been me. It should have been me. And I believe if I remember correctly, Larry Brown's response was, it could have been you. So I don't know if Do that you conversation Nab has no. the same. <clears throat> no, Do you think he has the same <laughs> thought process or do you think he's no. just one of those guys that goes, it was Reed's fault. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't, I don't know if he goes that direction. He might, Go the direction of more the the entire front office, not just Andy Reid. Uh, I think he does look at himself a little bit, but it, in terms of like the comparison to Allen Iverson, I think look, watching those two athletes in Philadelphia and Allen Iverson, you know, in his heyday, I was in high school, so you know, like that was my guy, man. That was my era. One of my favorite a, dudes of all time in sports history is AI. Absolutely, and oh. watching those two. Allen Iverson, you watch play basketball and you went, this guy, yeah. want, he wants to die on the court, man. This guy, he's going to, amongst the trees, as Mark Zumoff would say, and hard down to the hardwood and all that stuff. And then you watch McNabb. And it, it, I always felt that with Donovan McNabb, it was a classic case of, I think he, he loved the game of football, but I don't think he necessarily loved winning. And more importantly, I don't feel like he ever really hated to lose. And I feel like if they would have surrounded him with more talent earlier on to help him and not just wait for T.O. and then watch that go up in flames, I feel like this team would have went a lot farther. And, yes, uh, Andy Reid had a big say in that. But in the early days of Donovan, people have to remember it was still the early days of Andy Reid. And Andy Reid didn't have final say always over the front office. So for whatever reason, they felt like it wasn't uh, it wasn't the right thing to make uh, more talent or put more talent around Donovan McNabb, unfortunately. Let me just put it to you this way. I remember I'm sitting in, I think, a bar somewhere. And when I watched AI cross over Jordan, I fell out of my chair and the whole place exploded. <laughs> and I went, oh, my God, he just broke Jordan's ankles. I, I was like, because, yeah, listen, I'll tell you, my relationship with Alan, it goes back to Bobby Bowden. They offered him a scholarship because they wanted him to play at Florida State football and basketball like Charlie Ward did, and they thought he'd have been a perfect fit down there. And then when that whole bowling alley incident happened, everything obviously dried up on him, but Florida State wanted him desperately, man. Wow. They wanted him to play both uh, baseball and um, they wanted him to, to play – or basketball and football they wanted him to play. Wow. Yeah, I mean – I told me the story, I go – he goes, yeah, no, we recruit – no, I met his mom and everything. We we had him. We thought we had him, and then things went south. I mean, they they also had um, uh, Randy Moss locked up to go down there too at the same time as Iverson. 
You imagine those two guys playing at Florida State with Bobby? Anyway. What a story. What a story. So, real quick here. Your owner of the Sixers, Josh Harris. <laughs> yeah? Yeah, and you're, I, I'm going to get there. Football, Super Bowl. Get so, he hires Dan Quinn, correct? Yeah. Okay. How do you not hire that D coordinator in Kansas City? who's won four Super Bowls, schematically last night was one of the most impressive performances by a D coordinator, especially the last two Super Bowls, and you hired Dan Quinn, and this guy's got four rings, and you don't hire him, but you hire Dan Quinn. Is this the process? <laughs> it's i mean it's not the process it's unfortunately i think it's the process of the way his brain works uh if he's if you're a commander's fan and you're watching this i mean josh harris he'll spend money and he won't make the best decisions but he'll spend money i mean he's an investor the, the commanders are supposed to be the team that he's the most invested in considering it's money and emotion because he was a washington fan growing up but i i don't i don't get it i don't understand it dan quinn is a head scratcher to me uh, you look at a guy like Steve Spagnolo, for instance, and what he was able to do last night and the aggression, the, the live or die by the blitz. And it wasn't like all out blitzes or anything like that, but it was staying aggressive corner blitzes here and there staying aggressive timely. If that's, uh, timely. If that's not what you want in a head coach, I, I don't, I don't know what it is. If you look at him with all his background and the coaches that he has coached under, you would have to think he'd got a little bit better since his days in St. Louis with those Rams. So I don't know the thought process that goes into it with Josh Harris, but for me, it is mind-boggling. I don't know if that guy knows 100% how to win elsewhere outside of uh, the Philadelphia 76ers. They've had success at least in the regular season. He's got a lot of time that he's going to have the commanders. I don't see them doing much better, but here's one thing. They're not going to be worse than Dan Snyder. I apologize to oh, everybody no. in the no. NFC East. The, the, cow, the commanders are going to get better. Absolutely. When Andy Reid hoisted that Lombardi trophy last night, were you happy or sad? I was happy mainly because I the worst thing that the thing that could have ruined my night was the 49ers winning that. <laughs> and, and I got I, I didn't I said I, I started the show this morning by saying I am surprised by the amount of joy and quite frankly gleefulness I feel at watching the 49ers cry. Like in, in like a real sense, not just a whining and bitching and moaning type thing. But in like they're they're really sad, and I am happy that they're sad. Like you shouldn't feel like that. I, that may, might make me a little bit of a jerk, but whatever. I, I just I basked in that idea, and I laughed my ass off when I saw Fletcher Cox's tweet at Debo Samuel, basically saying, you know, well, if you know, you know. Uh, I found that to be fantastic. I was I I I said when the Eagles fired Andy Reid that he was going to win a Super Bowl. That he was at his next job. I felt like Andy Reid in Philadelphia. I think we could all remember our first job. You get stuck in your ways. You, you get set. You might think you found the right groove and you stay in that groove. And then you get a little bit of a shakeup and you went, oh, no, no, I got to do something different here. And you make adjustments from the mistakes that you learned in the first go around. I think he was going to correct those mistakes in Kansas City. And he did that. Initially, he delegated a lot before he started taking on a lot more of that responsibility. He had the leeway of a Patrick Mahomes, which we all know. He surrounded himself 
with really good talent like he did here in Philadelphia. He, I mean, the first thing he did was hire Jim Johnson as his uh, defensive coordinator, so that was a smart move. Yeah, then he goes out there and he brings in Steve Spagnolo, as we know. He had Eric Bieniemy there helping. Doug Peterson was helping him there on the sidelines as well for some years. So all that was great for Andy Reid. I am happy for Andy Reid because in his time here in Philadelphia, the guy that was away from the podium was a totally different guy than we saw at the press conferences. If you ever got a one-on-one -on -one opportunity with him, you really liked him, and I really liked him. And I have been snubbed at those Andy Reid Eagle press conferences a number of times by him, but that, that's just the way he wanted to handle reporters at the time. I have a bigger problem with Andy Reid, the motivator, and I have a bigger problem with Andy Reid, the personnel director, than I do more so Andy Reid, the head coach. Uh, and I feel like he corrected a lot of those mistakes when he went into Kansas City, and that's why he's been able to have the success there that he wasn't able to get here in Philadelphia. You know, Mark, that's a great that's a great observation because, like, when you were talking about, especially in our business, when when you get into our business when you're younger, you think you know everything and you think it's all you and you think you can do it. You're so more of a micromanager, and as you get more experience, you know hey, I'm just a small pebble in this thing. I need a bunch of really good people around me for me to be successful. And if I don't have a team around me, there's no way I'm going to get it done. And I think that applies to coaches too. And I think that's why a lot of coaches in their first go around, like Mike Shanahan or others, a lot of the guys struggle initially because like, like look at Vermeil. Even Vermeil was a better coach in St. Louis than he was when he was in Philadelphia because – he knew he had to back up a little bit. He knew he had to allow Charlie Army and all them guys to find talent for him. And he knew all those guys. And, and he looked at March and said, you run the offense. I'll help here. So I, I think that's a great observation that you get more patient because that was that thing last night was um, an exercise in patience last night. If you're the chiefs. Absolutely. Uh the crazy thing is, I felt like watching last night's game, and Andy Reid wasn't really known for a great creative play calling or play design when he was here in Philadelphia. It was brilliant. It was last night was incredible. It was absolutely incredible. And I'm watching this, and I'm going, the 14 years that I watched Andy Reid in Philadelphia, I don't, I don't recognize this. This isn't the same. And maybe it's because we've been, I hate to use the term, but dumbed down a little bit with the offensive game plan and execution and play calling that we saw on this past year with the Eagles. Maybe it just seems like, like it wasn't even chess versus checkers. Like I know people love love that. This was, this How was about that game winner, Mark. Yeah, th this How about was a this... game winner when he put the guy in motion. The guy steps down. Automatically, when I looked at it, I went like this: touchdown. It's over. I, it was I, when you saw the corner look into the backfield yep. to follow the motion. Yep. I went. They did the same thing against the Eagles last year in the Super Bowl. The play they call uh, corn dog. I corn think dog. Andy, Andy Reid. I think called the called the play. Yeah, this was corn dog, but this was corn dog with extra mustard and ketchup or something like that. So, whatever. But they scored the touchdown. But I'm watching it, and the, the the old adage of chess versus checkers came to mind, and I just went, hold on a second. This is addition versus uh, calculus. Like, it's not even chess and checkers. It's it's the, the, What the Eagles were doing, what the Chiefs did last night, and even in a lot of ways, what the 49ers were able to do as well, it wasn't even chess and checkers. It was addition and then calculus. And the Eagles have a lot of catching up to do, and hopefully... Obviously, Kellen Moore is the guy that will be able to do that. I just look at and I think I, – I think when I look at Kansas City and I look at the Eagle coaching staff, even with these new guys, it's like a universe in difference in distance. It just – it's just 
I mean, okay, so we're going to have a whole wholesale change, and supposedly this is going to be the Band-Aid that's going to fix the offense in Jalen Hurts. And after watching that thing last night, the Spagnola timely blitzing, the way that they became so good in the second half. You know, what, what, what got me about Shanahan, and I'll tell you, I think he does a great route tree. I think he does a great designer of plays. But here's where he gets in trouble. Mark, like in the NFC title game last year, blocking Hassan Reddick with a tight end. I mean, or with a back. And then last night, not blocking Chris Jones and just letting him run free in a critical situation where they need to move the sticks. It just never seems to match up like his blocking schemes and his – and again, Mahomes is a magician. He's just a magician, so I got it. Look, you had Purdy, and he didn't play horrible, but he needed to be exceptional to beat that football team and that coaching staff. I mean, that thing last night, if there was any year to beat them, it was now because I'll tell you what, next year and the year after – they're $25 million under the cap, Mark. <laughs> They're going to get a wide receiver in there. God forbid they get somebody in there that's a qualified wide receiver. They're going to kill people. Mm. One, of the, one of the things that stung the most um, was a lot of things that were said about the Kansas City Chiefs were said about the Eagles up until the point the Eagles were 10-1. and one, But the Eagles were at least 10-1. and one. The Chiefs, they had losses to show for why oh, they yeah. weren't the same team. Lost to the Raiders. They lost it. So you look at those, you look at the, the, that comparison for a second. And even though the Eagles, oh, wow, they found a way to win. They eked it out. They're 10 and one. Now they got to prove themselves against the 49ers and Dallas Cowboys. And those obviously turned out to be epic fails. But as you watch the four uh, the uh, Chiefs throughout the year, it was a lot of the same things. Like they're not the same team. They were showing the losses, but they're not the same team that was in the Super Bowl. They're not going to get back. They don't have the magic this year. And it felt like that in a lot of ways, despite just the one loss, that the Eagles were in that same category. The Eagles showed them their true selves towards the end of the season. The Chiefs showed their true selves towards the end of the season, and especially in the playoffs. They started shifting more to the run. Their uh, receivers became somehow magically more sure-handed. And when they needed to rely on the the magic of Patrick Mahomes in clutch situations and the steady tenacity of their defense and obviously the receiving core of Rasheed Rice and and uh, and Travis Kelsey they were able to do that and those are the three components that they rode that in good coaching and play calling those are the three components they rode to another Super Bowl victory and I said if they beat the Ravens they're they're gonna win the Super Bowl if they beat that Ravens team on the road they're gonna win the Super Bowl and throughout the game maybe at the time Patrick Mahomes threw the interception coming out of halftime I thought other than that moment, I felt that the Kansas City Chiefs were going to win that Super Bowl. And sure enough, we all know how it ended. But watching Patrick Mahomes in that offense and watching that defense go to work, it was just a matter of coming up in the clutch moments on both sides of the football. And that ultimately, as you know more than anybody did, that, that, that separates the men from the boys more than anything. You know, I was talking in the first hour, and I, I threw this out. Boy, I tell you, I was watching Mahomes last night. And boy, did that not look like 2022 Jalen Hurts. <laughs> and, you know, it's not that he's a dual threat, but you even heard Romo in the game go, they're the run of design plays now, and they're putting design runs in there that they hadn't done all year because, hey, this is the Super Bowl. And I was thinking to myself, look at what a chameleon this guy can be. Look at the play calling Andy's doing. Look at the non-analytics. Hey, let's run – 
Let's we have to loosen up the linebackers, bring them back home more, and they're wide open lanes so that get this. The 49er linebackers, instead of dropping back in zone where they were covering up all them zones in the first half, had to move up closer to the line of scrimmage because they had to be concerned about his running. 66 yards, 333. It's almost exactly what it looked like with Jalen Hurts last year. And yet this year, I saw none of that. And Jalen Hurts can't win in the pocket alone. Jalen Hurts has to win like Mahomes won last night. That's who that's what stops teams like San Francisco. That's what makes San Francisco's linebackers with cement in their shoes. I'm concerned, Mark, with Kellen Moore, that you know what? I think they're just going to try to make a better version of 23 instead of the better version of 22. And they're going to get further away from it. Just my concern that. I don't do you don't think they're running the ball more next year, do you? No season. No, but I think I think it's very simple. The Eagles need to do something they said they were going to do going into this past season. And I thought it was a brilliant way to put it. And I heard it from Nick Sirianni. And I went before the season started, I think it was in training camp, and I listened, I went, that's brilliant. That that's exactly what you need to see. And what he said was we need to embrace the uniqueness of Jalen Hurts' game. And I said, that's the perfect way to put that because that means. In situations where you need to run the football and maybe have an RPO and he keeps it and he takes it for 10, 15 yards, whatever the case may be, he's going to do that. It's not going to be too often. It's not going to be too few. It'll be just right. If you need him to throw the ball downfield to an open receiver, you have him throw the ball. Embrace the uniqueness of his game. I, I didn't feel like they did any of that. I don't I don't know if Jalen Hurts, and I, my personal opinion is he was not healthy enough to embrace the very unique part of his unique game, which is his legs. But in situations like you saw last night, I thought Jalen Hurts had the same thought you did. I thought Jalen Hurts could do a lot of those same things in terms of running the ball if you give him those plays to do it. And it was such a brilliant thing. Last night, the fourth and one, where Patrick Mahomes kept it and ran it for eight or nine yards for the first time, the big conversion of the game. Huge. I watched that play, and I went, oh, this is the play to Kelsey where he runs out into the flat and they get a couple of yards first down. And then I went, oh, Kelsey's covered. And I went, oh, this must be the shovel to Pacheco. Was not the shovel. And as soon as I thought that, Mahomes breaks it upfield for the first down. And I went, that has not happened. That is, I have not seen that. This is why, you know, people always talk about not putting things down on film. You never know what you could need it later. That was the perfect time to unveil that. And I had never seen them run that play before. And then you have another 25-yard scramble later in the game in overtime with Patrick Mahomes. And it reminded me in a much lesser game, but just like to, to understand that Patrick Mahomes has that gear. Patrick Mahomes has that uniqueness to embrace, as we all know, in his game. They had the game against the Jets where they were struggling to get things going and, and seal the deal. And next thing you know, Patrick Mahomes break, break, breaks one up the field for I think it was 25 yards as well. So he has that in his arsenal. They very rarely remind you of it. And and true, they, you don't need to because the guy can make right. every single throw from anywhere on the field. But and they needed to last night, Mark. They needed to they last needed night. They needed it last night. They broke the glass, and behind it was that emergency play. Absolutely. All right. Um, without leading the witness, um, this Hassan Reddick thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's been given – uh, reportedly permission to seek a trade. What's your take on this? Uh, the writing was very much on the wall. I, I, 
I mean, other than the 49ers last night saying they didn't know what the hell the rules were in overtime, you very rarely hear players be this honest or as honest as Hassan Reddick was. You think in his they locker. got it confused with the with the college rule that most of those guys assumed? Uh, no, I, hey, uh, no, 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 no. My wife even goes, she goes, isn't that the head coach's responsibility <laughs> to remind you and walk through mm. in case this thing gets to an overtime? It was a pick'em game almost. And I go, yeah, it is. She's like, I mean, you should know the rules. Like, especially in overtime, your coaches constantly go over shit like that. And I'm like, no, no. It Maybe Shanahan didn't know. Eric Armstrong said that he read it off the scoreboard. <laughs> they're, go, they're going out there for the, 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 the coin toss overtime, and he's looking up at the scoreboard, and he's like, wait a minute, hold on a second. We, hold it, guys. You guys, you guys. We, yeah, we, we can, get a shot. We both get, they both, we both get the ball. There's no walk-off opening yeah. possession touchdown. What the hell's going on here? So that was hilarious. But, um. <laughs> Sorry, I digress. That's uh, all good. Hassan Reddick and those players last night being honest about not knowing the rules. Hassan Reddick, the same week AJ Brown finally addressed the media, which I believe was after the Cardinals game. I think it was. I think so. Hey, that was Tuesday, I believe. Wednesday, Hassan Reddick is at his locker and he's answering questions. And this is how I knew that this wasn't going to end well. They're asking Hassan Reddick about being dropped back in coverage seven times, more times than he ever had as an Eagle. And he laughs. It reminded me of Bryce Harper laughing at Gabe Kapler's uh, curveball machine, for those that remember that. And I went, oh, damn, he's laughing at how they're utilizing him. That's not good. Is he at least snickering at it? And then they asked him about you know the, the confusion on the field. And it was Jeff McClain of the Inquirer who asked the question. He said, You're, it looked like there was a lot of miscommunication between defensive players going on and off the field. Is that because of a new coordinator, basically? And Hassan Reddick looked at him like, oh, damn. He noticed that. When he watched the All-22, he noticed how late we were getting on and off the field time and time again. And he went, uh, yeah, with a new coordinator, there's different terminologies. You know, he's, he's calling different things and we're, we all got to be ready for it. And that's on us, but it's uh, you know, the higher ups wanted to make a change. So here we are. And I, I stepped, I stepped back and I went, damn, the higher ups, not the coaching staff sales, the higher ups wanted to make a change. So he's laughing at how he's being utilized. He is pointing out the different terminology of a coach that is now taking over play calling when there wasn't supposed to be a big difference. This is still the Eagles defense. We've been running it all year. But yeah, as you and I talked about before, but now you you got a little, you got a different cook in the kitchen. Your entree is coming out a little bit different now. And then you talk about the idea of the higher ups making the change, not the coaching staff, not Nick Sirianni, the higher ups. So for me, uh, I thought that was a player being insanely honest and we rarely ever get the opportunity. So I, I don't think it was any um, any shock that he's not happy here. I don't think it's any shock that the Eagles are open to allowing him to seek that trade. And maybe they find a bidder that, oh, yeah, we really want him. And maybe they give you a little bit more. That rarely ever happens. But we'll see. Uh, but, yeah, certainly the writing was on the wall after that press conference he had. How much of an influence do you think Fangio was in that decision not to have him back? I, I find it odd. Very odd because uh, we all know quarters and four man fronts. Like that's, you're not, that's, you're, that's what you're going to have with Vic Fangio. So he's limited not, though, Mark. Yeah. He's you're limited. not going to Fangio or, or, or Reddick. 
Reddick's limited. He's not a good tackler and can't cover. We've, mm-hmm. It's an abortion watching him cover. <laughs> no, I, I agree with that. But at the same time, he is one of the best in the league at doing what he does well, which right. is get he, after the quarterback. If he doesn't, he's a liability on the defense. Absolutely agree. But if you're not going to be blitzing often and you at the most right. are going to have five-man rushes, I think I'd like Hassan Reddick to be one of those five guys going after the quarterback. At so 20 the, million? That, 20 million steep, very steep, but he is one of the best in the league to do it. I was that was the only thing that jumped out and went, huh, interesting. All right. But uh, this is the second thing. So you mentioned Vic Fangio uh, in terms of, um, uh, or excuse me, Hassan Reddick, not in, ter- in terms of not a great tackler, not a great cover, cover uh, uh, linebacker, all oh, stuff, yeah. or outside rush or whatever. One of the things that people don't talk about enough the, the, the lack of blitzing, sure. Um, the, um, the quarters defense, absolutely. Passive in some tense, sure. But one of the things I remember about most Vic Fangio defenses, especially his time in San Francisco, and I was out in San Francisco a lot. They were on with Jim Harbaugh and Vic Fangio. They were on Sunday Night Football a lot. I was out there a lot for those games, ISOing players and all that stuff. And I just, I'll never forget the immediacy of the tackle in a Vic Fangio defense. Control and, and contain and keep everything underneath. It, it was, it was masterful. It was yep. absolutely masterful. And listening to some of the Dolphins players talk about Vic Fangio, not from the Omar Kelly piece that came out where, you know, they, they didn't get along and all that stuff, but what, going back and watching the in-season hard knocks, like I was watching, I was watching those guys talk about it. And they're like, look, people run hit like people, he designed his own defense. Now other teams in the league run his defense. We know it all too well in Philadelphia, but the discipline that's there and then the freedom, once you understand the notes of the song, you can improvise as a corner, as a safety, as a linebacker under Vic Fangio's defense, because once you understand the philosophy behind it, you can start to do a lot of things on your own that are within the realm of that defense. And that's what the players were talking about that actually actually liked. It's not you know, as strict as some other people make it out to be, but once you have that freedom, you can do a lot more things to become a playmaker on that defense. And if you take advantage of that, then you're going to have a lot of success and you might get the name Pro Bowl next to your name. So that's something that I actually look forward to. But to go back to the discipline, that's something I don't think enough, enough people talk about. And watching the end of the season, watching James Bradbury try to tackle, like um, I don't think that's going to fly in the Vic Fangio scheme. It goes beyond quarters and a lack of blitzing. It's the overall discipline and mentality and soon-to-be freedom that some of these defensive players will experience. Well, I'm going to bring something up to you here that Tony and I were talking about last week, and I suggested this. Since you say, since you brought up Bradbury, in November, the Eagles and the 49ers contacted the Denver Broncos for Patrick Sertan. And the Broncos, after June 1, are cutting Russell Wilson. That's what's being reported, to get out and move him. They're going to need draft choices because they lost first-rounders in the Russell Wilson deal and in the Sean Payton deal because they had to compensate New Orleans with a first-round pick. So they need picks to rebuild at that position, the quarterback position. Right now you're picking at 22. The best lockdown corner in the National Football League is Patrick Sertain, and he's on a rookie deal. And he's got an option that you could pick the option up also to give you some latitude. Can you imagine if you're sitting there with Slay and Patrick Sertain as your corners, you kind of solidify your cornerback position 
And we know this, Howie has been pathetic is not a word <laughs> that really would be something that would be an overstatement when it comes to selecting corners. He, he's been like pathetically awful there at that position. Yeah. Why not go there and give up a, a draft pick that could be, you're getting the guy. He's 24. He's on a rookie deal. He's going to be the best corner. You're going to have to pay him. Absolutely. However, you're paying these other guys almost the same salary that you're going to have to pay him. Why not make that move two ones this year, next year for him? And if you think you're that good, you're going to be picking at the bottom of the draft anyway. Why not go and get the best corner and you fix your back end problem overnight and pick the option up? It's an $18 million option. Hmm. Why not? Huh. You're going to go on the draft and get Kool Aid McKinstry <laughs> versus <laughs> Patrick Sertain. Look how excited we are over, over, over uh, Keely Ringo having a couple of good games. That, that should tell you everything. That's not a knock on Keely, Keely Ringo. Ringo. Wait, I'm going to do it to you, Mark. Keely Ringo. Patrick Sertain. Yeah. Kool-Aid McKinstry. Patrick Sertain. It's like calling Mahomes and Brock Purdy. Mm. There's a different in the, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The scale's no. not even here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 24 years old, rookie deal, and no one, look, of all the things you say about Howie Roseman, uh, the guy can manipulate the hell out of that cap. And he and has make, contacted him. Yeah. Um, if the wheels are already in motion, which they are, uh, in terms of a couple of years ago, having that opportunity to to make a deal, I think it would make a lot of sense as of right now with the Eagles, especially with the way James Bradbury was a drastic disappointment this season, to make that move and bring in Patrick Sertain. If you have Patrick Sertain on this team at 24 years old and you're using two first-round picks, and as you pointed out, when you look at those two first-round picks, you have to consider where the Eagles are going to be. And I still consider them to be a team that's going to bounce back next year and be pretty damn good to be uh, you know, picking 25 to 32 again. You're talking 25 and thir to 32. Yeah, so that for me is a deal worth making if you're the Philadelphia Eagles. It has all it has all the right things. So your your thirty first pick was Nolan Smith this year. Yeah, I mean we're 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 trying to make those picks, and they are valuable. I'm not saying they're not, mm -hmm. but what I'm saying to you is that okay, well these picks they're valuable, but you're not landing on them. Mm -hmm. I mean, look at you. Look, Jordan Davis is not the 13th pick in the draft. Now, Jalen Carter is the second pick in the draft. You got that right. Mm -hmm. But Nolan Smith, Nolan Smith was signed. You know why? So that they could threaten Hassan Reddick. When that guy, it kind of gives Reddick leverage going, you're going with him? Good luck to you, kid. I want to see that work because that's where he is now. Nolan Smith is the replacement. It's scary kind of in a way, if you think mm -hmm. about it. That's mm -hmm. their best pass rusher. Uh, yeah. I'm just saying, that guy, Sertan, makes so much sense because it's a rookie deal and you have the, the option, the fifth-year option that you could pick up on it to give yourself some time because you have Landon Dickerson to sign and you have Devontae Smith next year to sign. You're going to have to make some tough decisions here. Are you keeping AJ? I love everyone going, yeah, the magician, Harry Roseman, will make it work where a $50 million quarterback and two $25 million right. wide receivers are on the same team. Show me a place in the league where that exists. It doesn't.
<laughs> just look at the look at the Kansas City Chiefs right now. And look, they won because of their defense, and they got the greatest quarterback I've ever seen play the sport. So they for me, one million dollars on the running back. It's run. unbelievable. Oh, look at the Eagles. They give they get rid of Miles Sanders and they sign three different running backs that are all making less than him, like in combined. That, that, that you want to talk about wizardry? That's pretty impressive. But yeah, when it comes to the wide receiver spot and the top billing, the top money, yeah, it's going to be hard hard to pull off with a quarterback already making top money. What do you make of the new coordinator hires? Uh, Vic, Vic Fangio, I know everyone wants to talk about the, you know, we've seen the, I, we talked about it before. Uh, I liken it too. We've seen the cover band. Now we get to see the original act. So that's why, oh. that's why Vic Fangio take and the discipline. I, that's what I love. And the defenses and seeing uh, what players, the, the wide variety of players that have come out and, and been in support. Um, uh, Simmons out there in Denver as well. Sertain being one of them also. I think those are all guys that you could kind of trust their opinion. And th- they all had wonderful things to say about Vic Fangio. The staff, they're putting him around as, as well. Great things to say about Vic Fangio. The Kellen Moore thing is interesting because, look, let's not forget that this was still hard to mess up, but somehow the Eagles messed it up. But by year's end, they were still a top 10 offense when all was said and done. Now, towards the end of the year, they certainly weren't a top 10 offense. But Brian Johnson had no play calling experience. Brian Johnson had a personal relationship with his uh, MVP caliber quarterback from a previous year in Jalen Hurts. Uh, Nick Sirianni is not a play caller. Him getting less power as his career has gone on is troubling. Uh, Say goodbye your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. But it's hard to mess up if you're an offensive coordinator. If you're coming in here with five years of experience under your belt, like Kellen Moore, and on the other side of the football, 20 years of experience as your defensive coordinator in Vic Fangio, you're at least in much better hands just in terms of experience. Now, let's talk about success. Vic Fangio has had top defenses in the NFL. Kellen Moore has had top offenses in the NFL. If you were to tell me at the end of last year, before we really knew what was what and who was coming in, and you would have told me that you were going to absolutely get experience, and it wasn't just going to be guys from the good old boy network that have just been around a long time, like um, like a Billy Davis, for instance, okay? But a guy that actually had success, I'm jumping on that. I want to see that. Kellen Moore, Vic Fangio, both bring that to the level, uh, to that, uh, to Philadelphia. 
And that's what I'm excited to see. It's going to be hard to mess it up for uh, Kellen Moore because you have these offensive weapons. You have this great offensive line. With Kelsey or without, I still think there's going to be what hell of an offensive line in the upcoming season. This should be an easy fix. little creativity. little uh, comfortability with your quarterback. Getting him in good situations. Doing the thing that everyone scoffs at, but it's so true because we saw the opposite happen this year. Every single game here, we got to do a better job putting our players in a better position to make plays. You rarely saw that last year. I just want to see my quarterback look comfortable in the pocket. I want to see my quarterback more consistently climb the pocket. And getting back to what we started talking about, I want to see the Eagles embrace the uniqueness of Jalen Hurts' game. Allow that to happen. And Kellen Moore should have an easy time doing that because he's got such talent there on the offensive side of the football. Well, the only way I say that this works is when you get rid of Spider Rico, your coach. <laughs> Un until you get rid of Spider Rico. Yeah, yeah. I'm just going to say this to you, Mark. So let me ask you this. So when they're putting the plays together Saturday night, mm. and they're putting a the game plan together. They get into a game on Sat on Sunday, and all of a sudden, in the middle of the football game, they want to run one of those Andy Reid type plays. And all of a sudden, you got your boy on the sidelines there, Sirianni, going, no, no, no. I mean – are you more concerned about the relationship between Kellen Moore and Jalen or the relationship between Kellen Moore and Nick? Neither. I am more uh, concerned about the relationship between Kellen Moore, Howie Roseman, and Jeffrey Lurie, and then Nick Sirianni. Because... <laughs> oh, okay. So now you got this guy as a doorman. All right. I'm just curious. Okay. I'm, no, I'm with you. <laughs> I mean, look, people made – last time I was done with you, people made a big deal. I was making the point about a lack of play call. It's not just that Nick Sirianni right. isn't no, calling it's plays. it's not just. It's not just that he's not calling plays. Like, people talk about John Harbaugh, and they talk about, uh, all you know, all these different coaches everything. Todd now, Duncan. Yeah, uh, Dan Campbell. Yeah. Like, it's not – no, no, hold on a second. Those guys didn't start out their head coaching careers by, I'm calling plays, here we go, and then all of a sudden, oh, damn it, uh, you do it, and then you push it off to Shane Steichen. You get to the playoffs, right? All that stuff. Um, and then the next year, you go to the Super Bowl. And that was pretty great. And then Shane Steichen's gone. And Jonathan Gannon's gone. And then you bring in someone who has never called plays before, and you still deem him more worthy of calling plays that he's never done it. You've at least done it. Not for you. And then the end of the year press conference happens, and for the first time throughout the entire season, he's uh, 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 Nick Sirianni is talking about mine. Yeah. My offense. This is my offense. Blame Brian me. calls the play. Blame me. Blame my, me. Blame me. My offense. And then for the first time ever, we hear Nick Sirianni not have ownership, not full ownership of the of the offense. He talks about how uh, it'll be our offense. Lame. Uh, um, it's like when you have an older brother and you finally turn 16 and it's like, oh, no, it's not my car. It's our car. And your older brother's like, no, dude, it's my car. I'll let you borrow it sometime. Like, that's how it goes. And you look at this Eagles offense right now and you wonder who has the ownership. It's Kellen Moore. So the role of Nick Sirianni has decreased. His oh, yeah. responsibility has decreased. And I have no doubt in my mind that he had the same push come to shove moment that Doug Peterson had with this, uh, with the owner, with uh, Jeffrey Lurie saying, Hey, here's my plan. This is what I want to do. And with Doug Peterson, Jeffrey Lurie said, No, I don't want to do that. And Doug's like, I got a Super Bowl on my resume. Deuces, I'm out. And he was out. Nick Sirianni did not have that Super Bowl victory. On his resume. Here's what I want to do. Lori said, this is what I want to do. All right, whatever you want to do, boss. Nick Sirianni sticks around. And now he has less responsibility than ever. So I know a lot of people flocked to the question of what is it you say you do here? 
Um, what is your role? The actual question. Quote, Tim McManus, ESPN. Uh, so what is your role going to be with the team? Odd as all hell that a head coach gets asked that question. But when you're talking about a diminishing uh, responsibility, it's a, it's a totally valid question. So when you talk about offense, it's Kellen Moore's offense. Nick Sirianni, I assume, will have some game planning assistance. But overall, he will be, I hate even saying the term CEO because that seems like it's too glamorous. He's the managing coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. And everybody else is going to have final say over their department. Offense Are you and defense. Calling him a glorified quality control coach. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to go so far as to say he's sharpening pencils or uh, queuing up tape. Hey, go get me third and six. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, there's, there's, here's the biggest thing. So if Nick Sirianni isn't calling plays, if he isn't in charge of the offense anymore, um, then he's got to be the motivator. So here's the problem. Okay. Where was the motivation at the end of the season? All the players, God bless them, they all said great things about how great Nick Sirianni is. That troubles me even more considering the effort and execution and lack lack of both of those things at the end of the season. So if he's not going to be the motivator, if he's not going to be the brilliant game planner, what is he doing? Let me. Is stop he going to turn it around in year two? Let me or excuse you. me, with, with uh, two different coordinators? Let me Let me stop you there because... Here, I'm going to show you this. So, Britton Covey reached out to me. Oh, cool. Okay. Because I um, I ripped him a new one. <laughs> because I told him, I go like this. I go, how long before you walk this one back to on me? <laughs> and, you know, he goes, hey, I don't want to do this. And I showed everybody this. I got to be careful here. Um, uh, let's see here. Uh, that's Darius. Hold on here. So, I'm really happy that these guys are reaching out to me here. And, um... So that's Trent. Hold on. Not him. I got all these. I How got, many people oh, oh. are reaching out to you? Dude, a lot. Darius Slay does. Trent Cole goes, what's going on with me? I've become everybody hates me here now. All of a sudden, I'm like, oh, yeah, that thing, that's yeah. a good look, kid. Anyway, <laughs> so he's, he sends he sends me. I, I don't want to do this in public. So he gives me his phone number. He calls me over the weekend. He goes, look, he was in Vegas for like Radio Row. I go, Dude, you said that the coach lost complete control, basically, of the football team. And you don't think – you play for the Eagles, kid. I mean, if you were talking between two styrofoam cups in a string, they're going to pick that shit up in Philly, and they're going to put that thing everywhere. It doesn't matter where and who you're talking to. Well, it should because, and I said it should because somebody's going to set you up for some shit like that and rock you down the road. And there you were going, yeah, you know, at the end, we, we, you know, we just, the players and the coaches weren't on the same page. This is kind of the stuff that Barrett said earlier that he walked back on my program. And now he, now he wanted to walk it back again. And I'm like, look, I know you're a special teams guy. You can't get over your skis. I get it. You're not AJ Brown. But I believe that there's in that room, man. I think there's just a disconnect. And I think there's a trust factor between the coaching staff because they know the front office runs all decisions and all personnel. And, Mark, no matter who you put in as coordinator, how does it matter when you know your coach has no autonomy in the building? What sank the ship was the change at defensive coordinator. I have no doubt in my mind. Clay Harbor. Is this new, Mark? Did you guys always believe that there was some type of 
it's not a rip on the on the Philly media, but I'm asking because when I first started talking about the Eagles, there was a belief, and there's still belief, that Nick has some say in the hires of these coaches. I never believed it. From day one, I never believed it because when I heard him at the Super Bowl during the press conference, he goes, hey, I had to introduce myself to 75% of the staff. <laughs> right there I knew he didn't pick any of the coaches. Yeah. He didn't pick any of them. So how could he bring a culture in? And how could he have hired these guys when he didn't know them? I, and so I, I'm like, but there's still people that believe um, Nick has the pulse of the locker room. I'm like, that, that guy has the pulse of nothing. I mean, he doesn't even know. This guy's got the pulse himself of a grapefruit. I said, <laughs> there's not a chance he has the pulse of anything. Do you think the problem in that room is because the players know that he's a yes man for those guys upstairs? I, I don't think. Until Desai, the change in uh, with defensive okay. coordinator, I don't think until then they were they were aware of it, but I don't think they were even aware of the of how much power the front office had on the locker room, not just in terms of signings and additions, but Nick coming out and saying time and time again that you know that we're going to get through this together, we're going to figure it out, we're all going to get in the room and that whole thing, and for Hassan Reddick to come out and let everybody know what happened, I feel like your head coach was neutered in front of your team you blamed your defense despite the fact that you were 10 and one at the time 10 and three and then you told your entire locker room that your your head coach is a is a pushover essentially and you made a change at defensive coordinator that to me showed the entire locker room that your head coach how am i going to play for a guy that doesn't have any real power so all the whispers mark about doug have been kind of validated this past season on the arguments that went back and forth, because from what I maybe correct me if I'm wrong, there was a Doug camp and then there was an Eagle camp where, Hey, you know, these two guys just didn't see eye to eye at the end. Plus Wentz was in the middle of this whole mm -hmm. thing. But to me, it really came down to what Seth told me, Hey man, Doug kicked the can down the road because if I can't hire my own assistant coaches, I mean you, okay. You want to put the personnel in. All right, Howie, that's your department. But my department should be hiring my own coaches. And if I can't do that, I'm going. Yeah. And to me, that goes to what that Cliff Kingsbury. Here's what I heard. Cliff Kingsbury, they, they had two interviews. And they loved them. One in person and one, I guess they had one when they had a Zoom. They had a Zoom one. There was two, two interviews. It went great. I know the agent for him. When it got to money, they were kind of like, you know, okay. Then they went to years, and then they went to this. Hey, I want to bring this guy in and this guy in. Yeah. Because he was an RPO kind of guy. Because look at the quarterbacks, Mahomes and Kyler Murray. He's more of an RPO guy than what um, than what Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore's never worked with an RPO guy. But he has. And when he started talking about assistance, that's when the Eagles hedged. So at the end of the day – are they still picking the assistant coaches? Oh, or are they, they allowing Kellen Moore to, to make these assistant coaching hires? It just doesn't seem that they are. I think that they have certain guys that they want to stay. Jeff Stoutland is one of them. They might have guys that are more or less uh, protected. Hey, look, we're really happy with what this guy does here. Can you work with him? Great. Then here you go. You can choose these people, and we'll talk about it, those kind of things. That's what I believe. That's how that's been explained to me. That's how it goes down behind the scenes where the Eagles will, of course, in the front office with Howie Roseman, Jeffrey Laurie have uh, have input. I do think they at least run it by Nick Sirianni, but ultimately they give him some guys that these are the people we want to stay on this staff. So they and I think Kellen Moore works with that. 
They set the deck. They go, here are 20 guys we like. Which guy do you like? Pretty, pretty much. They deal the cards, and they say, here, here's two. You can pick the other three. That's pretty much how that goes. Isn't so, that slick how you can be told, watch this, Nick picked the coaches. Yeah, off the sheet you gave them. Yeah, right. <laughs> we've, dialed, we've dialed it down. We've, you have two coordinators, so two choices. Nick picked the coaches. Yeah, off the 20 guys I gave them. Right. Uh, it reminds me of uh, Howie Roseman and Joe Douglas. Joe Douglas, uh, who was it that he fell in love with? Oh, who wasn't in the? I can't remember the specific player, but it was a first. Oh, it was a first round pick too. But Joe Douglas came in the room and said, "Hey, what do you think of this guy?" And Howie Roseman pulls out a piece of paper and goes, "He's right there. That's what I think of him." And it's like I would hope a month before the draft, the general manager of a football team would have a first round pick's name in his office. It makes no sense, um, but that's where they're at. Uh, yeah, but uh, to your point, I do believe they present a sheet. A list of names that say, choose from these guys. These are the guys we feel like we could work well with. I told you this before. If Sirianni was the navigator on the Pinta Maria or the Santa Maria, Columbus would have turned the damn boat around. Okay? I mean, and they'd have threw his ass over. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way you're going to see with that guy. Mm. Not a chance, Mark. I mean, no. and you know what? I know you and I hate this because you know why? It's Italian on Italian. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not something that we appreciate and something that we love because we we always back Italians. Uh, like my good friend, Tone, he's a paisan as well, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> and so I look at it like this. I go, this is always awful when you have to go after an Italian. Mm. But I'm sorry, man. You're not qualified. Well, the word vendetta isn't an Italian word for nothing. Go have an espresso, my friend. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Mark. Great catching up as always, man. See ya. You got it. Mark Farzetta, man. I love talking with my Paisan brother. Fantastic. M make sure you check him out, too. He's here on our, our channel here on Jacob. We really appreciate him. Please hit the like button. Keep it here on the National Football Show. bubbles and the bubbly go for the story and the stories go for the win go to ocean casino resort book your trip at theoceanac.com
Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Man, Patrick Mahomes. Mm. Six years, right? Three Super Bowls. AFC Championship games. Now they go for a three-peat. First in the Super Bowl era. Oh, by the way, I said that the Chiefs would not make it to the Super Bowl, too. So here they are, two-time Super Bowl champions. They figured it out. They figured it out because of great management, great coaching, and great patience. And they did the fundamentally right thing. They have a balanced salary cap. Now, you see, the golden, the golden ticket, it's not just the ability of Mahomes. He covers so much deficiency that there could be on the team in the old line just with his ability. You can move off of certain players and he'll carry your team. Brady the same way. You know, I've said this before to you. There's so much similarity between Tom Brady's run and what Mahomes is doing when you have the guy in the building. Tom never really had superstar offensive players. He had good players. Edelman, Amendola, those kind of – Gronk, great tight end. Kelsey, great tight end. rest of those guys, they were like either undrafted, late-round picks, Wes Welker a trade, wasn't like first-round picks. And again, please, don't bring up Randy Moss. And I, I, I don't want to go through that with some of you rockheads. They never won anything with him. Ever. So please, don't bring it up. Nothing. And when you see what they're doing, they balance their cap. Strong defense, a quarterback who can win, and carry their football team. Okay? Um, I, I would say this. When people say Tom Brady's 2-0 versus Mahomes, that means dick to me. Okay? That means absolutely nothing to me. Okay? It's not about playing against Brady. It's about how many Super Bowls you can win. 
Okay, that's that means nothing. At the end of the day, he's a better talent than Brady. Okay, Will goes Gronk and Kelsey are those weapons. Well, shit, Will. In Philadelphia, you have AJ Devante and Dallas Goddard, and a thousand yard back. They have none of that in those places. They have none of that. But they have great play calling on both sides of the ball. You know, I got to I, I got to go and say this about uh, about the coaching structure they have in Kansas City. Kansas City has beaten two really good rosters two years in a row because they're just better than you. Football, they're just better football people than you. Andy Reid's a better football person, and so is Steve Spagnuolo. They're just better football people. They know when to blitz. They know when not to blitz. They're comfortable with where they are. Steve Spagnola is basically a modern-day Jim Johnson. Jim Johnson never had any kind of wanting to when it came to being a head football coach, and he's happy in the role he's at right now. When you get people that are comfortable, why would he leave? To go and do what? Work for David Tepper, grab the money, and then lay on the beach? Okay. Most of these guys are lifelong coaches. They love coaching. And what you do is you get paid not to coach anymore. Okay. Senor goes Monday morning quarterback sills. Monday morning quarterback? So you think Monday morning quarterbacking is three Super Bowls in five years. That's Monday morning quarterbacking. Dude, you had shitty coaching last year. And there were shitty play-calling situations by Kyle Shanahan on Sunday. Coaching was the difference. Why did the 49ers get away from running the ball? Okay? Senor goes like this. You said Mahomes would lose. I did. And? He proved me wrong again. I'm happy for him. I'm, 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 I'm happy for him. Okay. Senor, he won. And? Oh, I see. Well, don't be jealous because you don't have a shiny superstar like that. 31 other teams are moaning just like you, senor. They're all moaning too. Because you don't play perfect against that guy. You ain't beating that guy. And you're not beating Andy. Andy now is in the line now with here, – here, by the way, some of you in here are now insulted that Mahomes is now doing this. Brady 7, Montana 4, Bradshaw 4, Mahomes and Aikman 3. One more. He's in the Montana and Bradshaw. Handy mm. Reed. Three Super Bowl wins. Five Super Bowl and conference championships. You're starting to talk about a guy who's in the Mount Rushmore of coaches. 
with last night's win. The defensive coordinator, Steve Spagnola, was brilliant last night. He was sensational. I'll tell you what, I don't know who called a better game, Andy or Steve. Spagnola was brilliant. Just sensational. Jalen Hurts is way more dangerous when he only runs. If the pocket breaks down when Jalen is forced to run with design plays, Jalen Hurts is a force when they have design plays. And get this, last night, that didn't look like a $55, $60 million quarterback the way he was running and making business decisions sliding like Hurts did all year. That guy last night was playing to win that game. You think that guy was making business decisions last night? And remember, first game of the year, I even said, that looked like a business decision in New England. Just saying. And by the way, some of you go like this. I, I saw somebody when I was talking to Farzetta going, wait, did Cilio say that dual threat wins and works? No, no. I said dual threat doesn't last long. It doesn't have a high ceiling. And if you play that way, you're not playing long. It's a short window. You don't have a long period of time. That's why Mahomes can't play that, like that last night every game. He can't. He won't last. And that's what the Philadelphia Eagles are doing. However, Hurts is not as talented as that guy to win from the pocket. Not saying there's anyone else. But that's how Jalen has to win a game like last night. Because if he doesn't, I think he's a dude. And some go, he's going to get better as a passer. Okay, well, wake me up in three years. Because last year was a train wreck, especially down the stretch. Okay? Um, Taking shots at the man, Jalen, who doesn't. Okay, all right, Anthony. I I don't really care too much about him either. I'm just talking of football here. I don't have a relationship with him. He doesn't have a relationship with me. I don't really care. Okay, that's not my deal here. I don't sit here and have relationships with players. That's not important to me. Okay? Once again, I don't think Brock Purdy played horribly last night. I thought he played well. I think uh, Kyle Shanahan, once again, got away from the run game, especially midway through the third. Um, I think once Mahomes took off running in the second half, it changed the dynamic of that defense for Spagnola. They had to adjust, and they started scoring. Some of the play designs that Andy had, and and I'm going to tell you this before I bring Tone on, and I'm going to agree with this because Tone has brought this up and some of you have. That's not the same play caller that was in Philly. Okay? That's not the same play caller. Let's bring our friend Tone in. 
Big Scott, how are you feeling today, sir? All good, my friend. Awesome. Your takeaways from the Super Bowl last night. That Chiefs defense is the best defense in the NFL. The best defense in the NFL. This is why. And I wouldn't have said this. I already thought they were great, but I wouldn't have said this until Rob, point, Rob pointed something out to me. Did you know throughout their playoff run this year, they knocked out the Dolphins, the Bills, the Ravens, and the 49ers? Did you know those four teams are ranked in the top five in scoring? And they, awesome. held, yeah. and, and they held and they held and they held those four teams to a combined average of 15 point, of 15 points per game. That's the number one defense in the NFL. Because Who was of that more impressive than you to you last night, Andy or Spags? Spags. Spags Why? impressed me because of what he had to go up against. The way that 49ers offense was being talked about all year, the way they've been performing, how lethal they were. Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, Christian McCaffrey, that offensive line led by Trent Williams, you know, Brock Purdy executing at a high level with that play caller and Kyle Shanahan, the way they were dismantling teams in their conference and other teams across the NFL. That team was considered to be one of the most talented teams we've seen play, uh, play in the NFL. And to see that Chiefs defense – and granted, they bent they bent a lot in that game. They bent a lot. I thought the but, 49ers but had they a, a ton, not, I thought for three and a three quarters, three and a half quarters, if you turn the volume down, the Niners were the better team. They were they were dominating them at the point of attack. I will say that. But I'll say this if you pay attention to that scoreboard quarter by quarter, you'll say to yourself, wow, the Chiefs are actually on schedule. You know what's so funny? I was talking to my wife about it when the game was going on. And she was like, damn, this thing is kind of ugly. It's kind of boring right now. And this was after the first quarter ended. Yeah. I said, listen here. What does that score say? She said, 0-0. I said, the Chiefs are on schedule. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I, I, You know what? You know, it's funny, Tone. I said the same thing to my wife. I go like this. She's like, damn, no points. I go, yeah, that's not. 49ers had to score first, but they had to put touchdowns on the board not Correct. field goals, and when you looked up, you would have swore they had a 14-point lead. When you looked up, they only had at one time in the first half a three-point lead. Then they had the 10-point lead, but I thought they should have had a 14-point lead or at least like a 17-point lead going into half. And when that thing ended up like that, I go, this is playing right into these guys. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, um, I, I'm so astonished by the talent on that Chiefs defense. And we're going to talk about Patrick Mahomes. You know, that's 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 the low-hanging fruit to me. It if is. you re- if you really think about what they did with that defense over, you know, throughout the Patrick Mahomes era. At first they were carried by their offense. They had some talent sprinkled in on defense, but they were carried by their offense. But the way they rebuilt that defense with a bunch of young guys and they drafted very well. And to have Spagnolo coaching those guys up and making sure and making sure he's putting those guys in position, you had to tip your hat. You had to tip your hat to that. I mean, you held the Niners to ten points in the first half. You ended up only being down seven points at halftime. How could I ever say to myself, "Oh yeah, the the, the, the Niners are dominating this game"? And look, you're right. 
at the point of attack at the line of scrimmage, they were dominating the, the line of script, the line of scrimmage. The Chiefs lived behind the sticks all game. I the Chiefs so often in that game, we saw them second and 12, third and 15, second and 15, first and 15 because of first penalties. Half. Yes, because of penalties, because of um uh brain farts by the players. Remember, in Marquez of all that scantily, he passed in the fourth quarter. And he broke a tackle, but ended up losing yards. Yep. Instead of taking the five that he received, and somehow, some way, they bounced back from that. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is spectacular. Like, I mean, I love football, right? And look, I'm an Eagles fan, but that's not what we're talking about right now. I love good football. And Patrick Mahomes, he didn't win that game with a hammer. He didn't win that game with a chainsaw. He won that game with a scalpel, and he just surgically dismantled that 49ers defense in that second half. And you got to tip your hat off to him. He's one of the best we've ever seen. I, I just thought that the way, if you ever want to see how defense is to be run and how you see an offensive guy with a feel for the game, intermingling analytics and play calling, when they started running design plays, you even heard Romo go like this. They didn't do that all year. Correct. One game. But because those backers... Like Warner was playing like his freaking hair was on fire. Yeah. He was such a dominant player in that game last night. It was incredible the way he played. Um, oh, and by the way, note to Howie. Shows you what good linebacker play can give you too on both sides of the football because it was on display by both football teams last night. Mm -hmm. um, I George, just Kittle, that George Kittle was a non-factor. Non-factor. George Kittle was a non who would have thought? And Gay was on him. Yep, Gay. Um, that's you know, the guy I wanted, Philly. Yep, yep. That's the guy you and I have been talking about because he's a. I don't want to say I, I don't like using the word cheap, but he's in a he's a he's a cost effective linebacker. Yeah, that can do the job competently, right? You Six know, and a half million bucks, you can have him. Exactly. Signing Drew Tranquil in the offseason for the Chiefs, slam dunk. And also, their safeties don't get enough credit. Their safeties do their job. I mean. Trent McDuffie at the corner position had Debo Samuel on life support. He was locked down. He couldn't, he, he couldn't do anything. Debo Samuel had 11 targets, 11 targets and only three catches. That is, that, that, that's, that's insane to me. No, that's a guy I wanted the Eagles to draft in 21. And I'll be fair to your point about that, uh, to your point about Trent McDuffie. And I'll, and I'll say it. I'll be, I'll be completely transparent. Everyone thought he was too small. I felt like he was too small. I'm gonna be honest. I'm not gonna sit here and lie. I'm not gonna pretend like I was high at first. Hey, I thought Devontae he was, Smith was, he was too small. I thought Devontae Smith was too meek, and I didn't think he'd hold up too. So, hey, man, you know, I mean, well, I could go in the other end. I was wrong on that, but I wanted him and the kid down in uh, Jacksonville with those two first picks. I wanted Devin the, Lloyd. I yeah, talked about Devin Lloyd, Lloyd all offseason. That's off who I wanted. I wanted him and I wanted McDuffie because I saw how good that kid was up at Washington, and I'm like, man. And then I started looking at the size, and I'm like, damn. But watching him play last night with Sneed, he played those big. guys were everywhere. McDuffie played big. You see the, uh, I, of course you saw it, but, I mean, remember the um, the game? I mean, not game-saving, the, the touchdown-saving swat by McDuffie in the back of the end zone on, yep. on Debo? It was he, – he plays so big. He understands leverage. He understands when to, when to get physical, when, when not to get physical. He, uh, he knows how to attack the ball at the catch point. I mean – the Chiefs' defense is only going to get better. They're so young, and 
I mean, you got Patrick Mahomes on the other side of the on the other side of the ball. I mean, unbelievable. it's unbelievable. You got to tip your hat off to it. It's just great football. You got listen. If you're an, if you're a legitimate football fan, everything you saw last night was was football. You know, to you know to the highest degree, it was amazing. Two stats stick out in this game from last night. I said this on Friday. If the Chiefs and Pacheco run for over 120 yards, they're going to win the ball game. We talked about that. Yep. And they have a, they had 130. And I'm going to tell you this. Mahomes playing dual threat last night mm-hmm. was the difference in the game. It changed the entire complexion. I mean, the that first half. 66 yards, Tone, was more important than the 333, in yeah. my opinion, because that 66 yards, that 66 yards kept him in third and short in the second half. Mm-hmm. Where, like you said in the first half, Mm-hmm. They were third and 12, third and yes. eight, third and seven. But mm-hmm. in the second half, they were third and two, third mm-hmm. and one, third and three. Mm-hmm. They kept the sticks closer because they that 66 yards. And the way he played reminded yeah. me so much of Jalen Hurts in the in Super Bowl 57. Yeah, um, you know, I speak about Jalen Hurts all the time, you know, in, in terms of I want Jalen Hurts to play the best version of, of his brand of football. The best version of his brand of football. Now, um, whatever Kellen Moore provides, we it's, it's, it's going to be wait and see. It's going to be wait and see. I have no idea what he's going to have him doing. But what I need to see, I need to see Jalen Hurts getting back to his version of football. Now, I will say this, though, right? You said something really interesting. The Chiefs, they didn't run Mahomes like that until that game. Uh, absolutely not. Right. And, you know, he was playing to win the game. And in situations like that, in high leverage playoff games, you want to you empty the gas tank, right? They sure so, did. So I look at it like this in terms of Jalen Hurts. And, you know, try to, you know, try to follow me here. And if you agree, disagree, whatever. Right? You know, I just want to, you know, if you, I just want to pick your brain on this. When it comes to Jalen Hurts and helping and, and, and trying to figure out how he should navigate an NFL season in terms of health, in terms of how he plays a position. To be fair, to be honest, I don't know if I want Jalen Hurts emptying the gas tank in week four. You know what I mean? That's the only way he'll beat Mahomes. But here's the thing. No, hear me out. I said week four. But when you get into the playoffs, because look, I want Jalen Hurts to play his brand. Don't get it twisted. But I also want him to play smart football. But once you get to the playoffs, I'm all for emptying the gas tank. See, Jalen Hurts' running ability, I don't want it to be a crutch. I want it to be an asset. I want, be, I want it to be something that adds and not something that takes away. I want it to be something that helps and not something he leans on. Does that make sense? It does. So, so I think, to your point, he's going to be at his best playing his style. But they have, but they have to find a way to um, help him make help him make it through an entire NFL season, so that style can help them get through the playoffs. And I think that's where my, that's where my mindset is. I don't want to change him. Balance. I'm looking more of a like a like a 55 45, like a 60 40. I'm trying to. I'll, his style is so dangerous. Once he get into the playoffs, it's almost indefensible. Like you said in that in that Super Bowl matchup with the Chiefs in, in the Niners. So I want Jalen Hurts to play his brand at all times. Yes. I want him to be smart, yes. But I don't want him risking it all in week three. He's not good enough right now as a quarterback 
to just to pick and choose his moments like that. 11 wins is not going to cut it. Okay? 11 wins is going to cut it in Kansas City because that guy can pick and choose his moments. Mm-hmm. He's not good enough yet. Now, again, will Jalen Hurts develop? Like you've been saying, Tone. See, I think the biggest problem with Philly fans and with the Eagles themselves, they're rushing this kid's fucking development. Let him get better. Get him quality coaches. Let him have a process. Give him – look, I think his three years starting, if you put everything on a piece of paper and put it in front of you, has been exceptional. If the, the whole thing, you put it all – hey, look, if you're looking at a microcosm of one and eight or one and seven and you're looking at that, you're not looking at, like I like to say, the entire story. Like you said, that growth level from 21 to 22, now was that an anomaly? That's my position. Is that an anomaly? Or is that something we're going to see? Because I remember telling everyone, Jalen Hurts may only grow 2% this year. And that will be a lot. Because, Tone, once you start getting up towards the top end, if if you're getting better 2% every year over five years, and you're getting yourself better over five years, you're 10% better than you were five years ago, you're continuing to grow and get better. I think what they have to do, and I I hear you, that's why I say that style of play. Mahomes can pick and choose. I think Josh Allen can pick and choose. Yeah, I think so more so as well. Yeah, I think so too. It's I think he, he can pick yeah. and choose his moments. Yeah, the only difference is Josh Allen doesn't want to pick and choose. He just wants to just go all out. That's, <laughs> that's, his, that's, see, that's why I think he has worth. I don't think he has the right coach because he has to have a coach in that building. Now, Joe Tell- Brady, I will say that that may be his saving grace. Joe Brady, it may be his saving grace because he definitely reeled him in, in that second half of the season, and it changed everything for him. If Andy Reid was his coach, what do you think Josh Allen would look like? That. What we saw yeah, last night. That. <laughs> the talent is there. See, yeah. with Josh Allen, we don't talk about talent. It's not even the case with him. It's just, it's it's, it's upstairs with him. It's I all know upstairs. what you're saying about Jalen. You're like this, Sills. Empty the tank in the postseason. But they didn't. Yeah. Yeah. As a matter of fact, they didn't even have any gas going into the postseason. I mean, <laughs> that's did pretty, he run they, the ball they, they in had the no Tampa ga- game? I, that's, that's a good question. I don't, that's, let's double check that. I don't think he did. Did, 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 did he even run the ball? That's a good. That's a really good question. I really don't think he did. Um, him. I, I'm not, no, not, no, not, right, right. I know what you mean. Him. Him. He, him I, I got you. Him. And wow. This is about to be an indictment on this coaching staff. Um, Jalen Hurts ran the ball one time in that playoff game for five yards. And that's in the complete the Super Bowl. He ran it like eleven. 12 nine. for like 79 for like 70. Mahomes had, no, no, I'm talking Mahomes. Oh, Mahomes. Mahomes, Mahomes had nine carries for 66 yards last night. Right. Longest Basically run the, five and a half yards of carry last y- night. Yep. Longest run of the day was the 22-year-old backbreaker. Hey, Tone, if Jalen Hurts is my starting quarterback and that's decision management makes, I'm not getting away from 22. I'm getting closer to it and standing on the sun with it. Mm-hmm. These guys, I don't hear. I'm gonna, you know, and I agree with you. I don't know what it's gonna look like. Kellen yeah. Moore may may 
may change his entire approach and and have somebody in there help him. However, I want to see that. I got more question marks about Kellen Moore than I do Jalen Hurts. Right. Let me ask you a question real quick, right, because you played the game. Um, When a new coordinator comes in, right, walk walk me through their process when it comes to familiarizing themselves with the talent that's already on the roster. Do they – do they rewatch all the film from the previous seasons or two and then they try to mirror that and try to make it their own? Like, well, what's that process like? I mean, I, I don't I don't know if you can fill me in on that, but what's that process when the new coordinator comes in and he's trying to familiarize himself with the new with the talent on the roster he's been given? Okay. Let me first give you from a player, then I'll give you okay. from a coach looking into the player. As a player, the what what would you think would be the most important thing right away? that you would have to know when you have a new coach coming in with a brand new playbook, not um, his version of the playbook that he's going to run terminology terminology. Now wide gap might be different to him than a three technique gap or a shade or in a 43. Do you want me head up? Do you want me in a three? Do you want me in a wide seven? You, you, all these terminologies, is it a twist to you or is it, is it a Ringo stunt? So all those words, it's almost like knowing French and then learning Italian. Mm. Okay, so you first have to know what he's talking about. Then what you do is you look at the playbook because, Tone, you could have the same play written down. He has a different terminology on what a jet sweep is, and he could call it something completely different on an offensive guy, offensive guy saying it. So the terminology and then alignment. What is your alignments in these fronts, 43, 34, bare front? You have to, first you have to get the basics down. Know where they're going. So the, the first thing is, and then it's player retention. You're sitting there looking. You know, sometimes, Tone, when you change the defense up like that, the coordinator comes in and may do this. Well, let me change my let me change my terminology because why would I change this is the good ones why would I and this is what Fangio had a problem with down in Miami from what I'm told he came in with his terminology half the players didn't know what the heck he was talking about the good coordinators come in and go let me change my because why would I change half the roster and make it harder on them this isn't about me Mm. It's about them. That's what those I'm hoping Vic does that. And if not, we're going to have a problem in communication. So we'll see in OTAs. We'll see in mini camps and then we'll get to training camp. And we'll, that's why when you say, we'll see, I want to know what that remember, is he going to, ch- is he going to change or do the players have to change? Right. I don't want to change 11 players thinking it's easier to change, change one guy than to change 11 guys. That's, that's, that's yeah, a good let point. Me, let me, See, but that's the problem with the Eagle uh, management. Sometimes the coaches think the players are there for them. Mm-hmm. And that's not what is that's not what makes a good coach. So you start from there. Then you get into team meetings. And then he comes up with a concept. We're going to run the same stuff. We wanted to keep control and contain. You're not going to see a lot different. We're just going to do a, a, some things differently in alignment. And what Vic is going to bring to what Desai and um, Matt Patricia couldn't bring, he's a better field 
pressure guy. Mm-hmm. And he's better at that because he's got a feel for the game. You see that thing last night? It was seamless, wasn't it? The way those guys were calling both sides of the ball, didn't you feel? You felt – if you were a player on that field for the Chiefs on both sides, and then you look at at the way the Niners were playing in the second half a little tight, offsides, illegal procedures. You saw a little bit of giving it up on defense on the other side. But when you were with the with, with Kansas City, and I heard you say this, it was most it was like overly patient. That's what they're hammering in those players. Keep steady, hang in there, hang in there. You saw it. Hang it was, in it was, there. It was so evident. It was so evident how patient Reed was, which is his play calling, and you know what he wanted to accomplish. I mean, but you know why you can accomplish that. Because you've won two already. That's you see, the problem with the Eagle players, when they started seeing Desai and those guys start to melt down, they had no faith in it. And they didn't believe in it. But when a, when you've got a coordinator in your face, and it's in the third quarter, fourth quarter of a Super Bowl, and the coordinator and your position coach is going, keep calm, we got this, keep calm. And you're sitting there going, okay. Because you know why? They're going to put you in a position to succeed because we have. Yeah. And plus, I have 15. 15 also, Tone, as a defender. It, it helps. I'll it tell helps. you. <laughs> I, I tell you, I know this. I can give up a touchdown, and we can give up a big play, and 15 is going to throw us back into the game. But So even, that also helps, too, knowing yeah. that it's a mental thing, too. Yeah, and also it helps knowing that, look, it's 15. He did his thing, but – if that defense doesn't stand tall, give him those opportunities that they did. I mean, you know, first drive. Let's 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 just start. They that created first. three and outs. Yeah, they could. They created three and outs, but also first drive. Right, quite literally, the Niners were cutting through their defense, no problem. But they get into that red zone. I couldn't you, believe McCaffrey put the ball on. The I ground. couldn't believe they got that ball out of McCaffrey's hands. I could not believe it. I said, Jesus Christ, and he, they're dominating them. And when he put that ball on the ground, I was like, man, I'll tell you what, if you're going to go tit for tat for for turnovers, they're going to beat you, dude. You, you know can't said, do that. You know what I said to myself? I said, I was talking to my wife. I said, hey, baby. She was like, what? I said, mistake number one. Yep. Mistake number one. They, the and muff- they could only, and they could only, and they were just like the Eagles. And watch this, Tone. Tell me this didn't remind you of this. Mistakes. With the turnovers and a special teams play, gee, what game does that remind you of? It was so close to the uh, outside of the scorecard. It was so close. Listen, man, the whole thing was played exactly what you said when you went like this. How how'd you feel about the first half? It kind of the game. They almost took last year's game plan. And it looked exact. How about those routes they were running to confuse the secondary of the 49ers? The game-winning touchdown was the oh. same. The game-winning touchdown was the same play that they ran against the Eagles in the last year's Super Bowl. The same route. That 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 motion. And that then he zigs play. And then he zigs back. Dude, when that guy went like this. The moment he motioned, he took the mo- t- the moment he looked in and he then bit. stepped in. I looked at my wife, I go, oh, gang. Hey, what do you always do? 
game. Game. <laughs> that's exactly what it was. Dude, that thing, I go, oh, my God, he's got him because he was going to play from behind. When he looked in, It that's – but get this, Tony. He should have never moved. That, But listen. It's hard. I know. And they I know, cut I know. down it underneath. And he cut, does. He comes underneath and then goes out and still roll. Dude, it was such a well-designed play. And you're three years watching this coaching staff and with Nick and everyone, have you ever seen a design play of anything of that magnitude? Even with Steichen, have you seen anything that creative where they have created something like that for Hertz? In 2022, there was a moment in the Steelers game when the, when the Eagles were dominating the Steelers, right? But this is before the score got ahead. There's, there's, there was a moment when Shane Steichen called an RPO and um, Dallas Goddard broke to the flat and Jalen Hurts threw him the ball, right? Remind you, there's remind you, Zach Pascoe in the slot is there as a block, kind of like kind of the chip or kind of be like a uh, like, like a screen guy, right? Threw the ball to Dallas Goddard, Goddard caught the ball in the flat, you know, took it, took it 10, 15 yards or whatever, if, if I'm not mistaken, right? Steichen ran the exact same play, but here's the difference. Instead of instead of throwing the ball to Goddard, and instead of Zach Pascal coming in to you know, pick the defender. Zach Pascal faked the pick, ran a wheel route up the sideline. Dallas Goddard became the blocker. Zach Pascal wide open for a touchdown. That was the most creative play I've seen. Um, that's one of my favorite. That's that's one of my fa- most favorite sequences. And you know, during that time, because they ran the exact same play and they set it up. It was you saw your coordinator thinking two, three, four, five plays ahead. And in twenty twenty three. We didn't see our coordinator or our head coach thinking two, three, four, five plays ahead. It seemed like they were quite literally on a play by play basis. It looked like they were. It looked like they were just trying to stay above water on each play. Andy was setting. Andy and Spags were setting people. They were up setting things night. up. They were planning landmines yeah. throughout the game for later in the game. Even. Yes, yes. That RPO on fourth and one. Oh. They, they they plant that landmine. Everybody. You know what's here's the thing about the Niners. This is what makes the Niners so great. They use your leverage against you. Yep. The, the Chiefs, that's not really their style, but in that moment, they used the Niners' leverage against them. It was almost like they beat them with their own, with their own best punch in that moment. And um, you know, you got to give credit to Andy Reid, you know, for just being the football mind that he is. Got to give credit to uh, Steve Spagnuolo for being the football mind he is, but. Patrick Mahomes, again, just remaining poised in that moment. And, and, and like you said, there's a certain calm when you see when, when you see that team play because you can see the, the assurance that they have in 15. You can see the comfort they have in Andy Reid and in Spags. They have no doubt in their minds that they can beat anybody. I just wish five would have – I just wish he would have taken more advantage – of Andy far, Reed. Far as he said it best, though, he didn't care enough about winning and he wasn't mad enough about losing. He said it best. You know, and, and, and Tone, it's no longer, I, I, I agree with you about the 14 years. I do. I thought last night, though, when I saw Reed hoist that Lombardi trophy, I'm like, what if five had absorbed was- more of it and was more, I mean, you have stubborn. to think. I would think this: if my, I'm watching my coach do the things, and I'm not saying Donovan 
is as good as Mahomes. I I'm know not that's not what you're that. saying. I got you. But you don't not explain one. That. You Listen, couldn't win one with you him. You had five cracks at it. You had five you cracks. Get one. You couldn't and get one. You didn't want to really go the distance and the extra mile. Like, get this. When they trade, and I think this is a prime example of it. Andy had to go and get Owens. Mm -hmm. Brings them in for him. And that thing exploded. It worked one year and it exploded. Andy takes away Owens slash Tyree Kill. That quarterback responds and says, what do I need to do to make sure we don't miss a beat? That to me is not, I'm not even talking about ability here, Tone. I'm talking about the difference in mentality. I was just about to say, you're talking that about responding. That guy right there went like this. Holy cow. He took my security blanket away. And there they gave him one. And Andy gave five a security blanket. Couldn't deal with it. Mahomes goes, and he rely. I think you rely more on, he relied more on Andy to get him home. And I think the relationship with Mahomes and Andy Reid, the reason that those two guys have two Super Bowls in the last two years, because he had, he had to have faith that that guy, remember we were talking about Brady and Josh Allen when he only threw 14 passes and they beat yeah. the Cowboys up there and he only mm -hmm. had seven completions. Damn, Trust. I don't have to throw the ball 35 times for 500 Trust. yards. Holy cow. This guy's right. And they went on They went on an epic run at the end of the year. Mm -hmm. I just think that if you're McNabb and you watched that last night, you have to think what could have been for him. And I'm talking about him personally. Of course, of course. What could have been for him if he had just been more open to that guy's coaching? Now, I know tough. Andy's better. You agree he's better? Yeah, yeah, but Andy was good enough to get to five NFC championships. So at that time, I would say he was great as well. So look, McNabb was stubborn. He was stubborn as hell. And um, he felt like he, he was, I don't know if this is an accurate comparison, but I'm going to do it anyway. He kind of reminded me of Carson Wentz. Huh? A know-it-all. A know-it-all. A better think, Carson Wentz. Yeah. A better, more healthy Carson Wentz. A know-it-all. Guys who felt like he hasn't figured out. See, here's the problem with McNabb, in my humble opinion. And look, I was young, I was young at that time, but look, I, I I listened a lot to my to my OGs talking about the game right at that time, and all I kept hearing was they crowned him too early, they crowned him too early. Chunky soup, Campbell soup, you know what I mean? He ripping and running out of here, you know. It's he 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 felt he he felt like, in my opinion, now he's moving somebody over so, and I just felt like he didn't take advantage of the opportunities he was given. He was stubborn. Um, his game. Look, Asante Samuel said it. He said he came to the team and he saw McNabb throwing dirt worms, like just throwing duds. And Andy was, and he, and Asante went to Andy saying, Hey, Andy, I mean, look, I don't mean all disrespect, but we got to, we got to check in with this dude. I don't know if he's as locked in as we all are. And Andy, and this is what this is Asante's story. Asante says, that he said to him, Well, listen, you know, I'll let you guys police yourselves you know i let the veterans police other veterans all that kind of stuff and asante was like wait what you want me to go say something to him i just got here so i think andy has gotten better with the with, with the people part of it as well to your point yeah. about the relationship with yeah. Mahomes. um the his andy and McNabb's relationship doesn't get talked about enough 
but I'm willing to argue that it wasn't anywhere as complete or stable as his relationship is with Mahomes. Absolutely. I completely agree. Um, What was your takeaway on the Travis Kelsey situation on the sidelines there with Andy? I'll put it real simple. If Travis Kelsey was Trayvon Kelsey, he <laughs> he would have felt the wrath of the NFL. Let's let's just, let's just make it clear. If Travis Kelsey looked like me, so we're gonna do this in reverse order. Okay, I'm just you know, and and and, and that's and look, cause look, I didn't like it. Um, I felt like not the time and the place. Can I tell you what my wife said first before you continue? Yeah, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I go like this. I'm not penalizing. She goes, yeah, that's a white guy talking, and I went like this. She goes like this, man. If that was a black guy, they'd ran a guy out of the league. You know that. And I go, the refs don't have anything to say about on the sideline stuff. Like, because oh, that's again, you're talking like a white guy. Make sure you don't embarrass yourself. I'm like, I'm not doing that. Yeah. I know what you're saying. And let me make it clear. I wouldn't have benched him, by the way. That's not what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's, I, see, yeah. that's where I'm. I'll tell I'm you not what, benching I'm gonna him because I need him. next year at the ceremony, like on Thursday night. Yeah. He's not playing. He's not starting. Whatever. But yeah. I'm not penalizing the other fifty. I need guys him. It's the Super Bowl. Right. That's <laughs> not happening. However, yeah. I'm not condoning it. He right. took advantage of his relationship with Andy. He's immature. It was a meltdown situation, and to me, again, it was just unprofessional, and I didn't appreciate it. And there again, um, no. Twiz, it's not race baiting because you know this. Black athletes are covered differently in this country than white athletes. Stop pretending. Anybody, they, anyone, any, anyone who's who just says stuff like that, I already know where they're headed. It's is. a white guy. Um, you know, it's it's crazy. And look, I'll I'll, I'll I'll even throw him some bell, right? If Travis was, was if Travis was just vocal with him, I wouldn't have had an issue with it because guys get emotional. He wants the ball. Put his hands on him. He put his hands on him, and that's my problem. It is not him, not him getting in his face. My problem is him putting his hands on him. And let's not pretend if AJ Brown put his hands on Nick Sirianni. Come on, man. We what? Y'all kill AJ Brown for talking spicy to Jalen Hurts. Imagine if he put his hands on Nick Sirianni. It'd be imagine if imagine How do you think if he lost the that media would have handled that. How do you think the national media would have handled it? Oh, uh, it would have been a bloodbath. Uh, yeah. Thank God they won that game last night. Yeah, because it, it turned out to not be a storyline. That would have been, Sills, that would have been damning. Damning. We would have we would have been talking about Travis Kelsey trade rumors all of a sudden. It would have, it would have got crazy. They're not getting rid of that guy. I know that. But but you see my butt, like that, that's where the media takes things. Yeah. So um I didn't like it at all. But you I see how diffuse it. I like Andy, Andy almost didn't even acknowledge it. He laughed at it. Yeah, right. And even in the moment, Andy was not even making eye contact with him. Andy stumbled and went right back to coaching. No, no, no. When he was asked a question at the podium, he laughed at it. But I guarantee oh, okay, yeah. behind the scenes, his position coach is going to go to him mm -hmm. and go like this. Don't ever do that again. When all the champagne wears off, yeah, trust me. That's they right. On, they on his ass. When, the, when after the parade, you're going to get in that room. And you know what? Sometimes the head coach doesn't say, it. you know who the bad guy is? Bad guy's the assistant coach. Mm -hmm. And he's going to walk in there and go, hey, man, you owe that guy an apology. Mm -hmm. And this doesn't have to be public, but you need to walk in there and tell that guy. And I wouldn't doubt that he hasn't. 
Right. I'm pretty okay. sure he's already apologized. I'm pretty sure he already has. And look, okay. it's not an indictment on his character. I want to make that clear. So you got some people saying, oh, Travis Kelsey, I knew I knew he was a bum. I knew he was a toxic trash human. I'm not saying that. No. I don't think Travis Kelsey is a bad dude at all. I feel like his emotions got the better of him. It did. You know, the team in that moment. If the you, moment. If you pay attention to that, you know, to that series, the team was kind of unraveling a little bit, but they reeled it back in. Chris Jones had to talk to the defense, you know. Um, Mahomes, Mahomes had to talk to the offense. You know that that Chiefs that Chiefs team was getting a little beside themselves a little bit. So again, I'm not saying Travis Kelsey is a bad dude. Look, players get emotional. It's football. Guys get emotional. It's the biggest game of their lives. Guys get emotional. You can yell all you want, but don't put your hands on the coach, man. That's where he lost me. Don't put your hands on him because look, he didn't even he. Andy Reid almost fell. Like like says that would have been Andy Reid almost nightmare. fell. That would have been a nightmare. Yep. Knock the coach over on the sideline. Exactly. You might have been sent to the locker room. That's what I'm saying. So we can't, we, we can't, we can't just pretend like that was a nothing burger. We can't. That that's something. But they won the game. So, and that's the perfect example of what winning cures all. Absolutely. All right. What'd you think of um Usher's performance? Oh, Usher was in his bag, man. Usher had Usher had me in the crib acting out of character. Like that thing was that thing was fly, man. It was like it was like a it was like the Cirque du Soleil strip club. I mean, it was just it was lights. It was. I, it was I mean, I, I was, loved them too. Outside the groping of Alicia Keys, man. Listen, hey, I'm man. A- now, now, look. I'm with you. When she took that thing off and she was in that red gear, I was like, damn, she lost weight. She looks great. And I was like this, and he's all up on it, man. I was like, holy man, cow, man. I- He's, I, and then I, I thought I could have swore I saw her push him away one time when they were in doing it there. I was like, dude, he was so good. But I was like, somebody's going to jump on stage. He didn't, I thought she was going to smack his ass. Man, Usher, see, the good thing is they got a relationship, thank God. But Usher been get Usher been in the news a lot lately because he's been, you know, you know, he has yep. that he has that residency in Vegas. Yeah. So a lot of celebrities, a lot of stars been going to them shows and sometimes they bring their girlfriends and sometimes the superstars bring their boyfriends and all of a sudden, you know, he gets a little, he gets his, he gets his R&B bag, you know what I mean? Like, my man like took a the, snake. My man took the like shirt off. last night, man. <laughs> it was fly though, man. I, I gotta admit, that thing was fly last night. No, one he was of, good. He was, he one, was one really of the good. best, one of the best halftime shows yep. I've seen in a while. Yep. Um, Usher, he played all the hits. Uh, like I said, it was like a Cirque du Soleil strip club, beautiful woman. He brought out the roller skates, electric guitar riffs. I mean, Ludacris came out. A little bit of Little honor John came out. It yeah. was fly. It was fly, man. Yeah, man. I, I, I think I, I can't deny a job at that thing. Definitely. What'd you make of the commercials? I'll tell you my favorite. Um, my favorite was when I saw Apollo Creed. Oh, and I, missed that I saw one. Carl Weathers. And when I saw Carl Weathers, the rest of them, I was like this. You know, I'd love to be – I kind of like – I'll tell you what, man. I won't lie to you. That Beyonce, man, she is. She looked great, man. She was so in that commercial. And then when they showed her and they took a shot of her in um in in the booth and in the in the suite, I was like, damn, man. That's another one of those chicks, man. The older she gets, the better looking she gets. Hey, hey, Sills. I'm talking peanut butter thick. Yeah, peanut butter. Well, that's baby. my kind of girl, man. You know. Uh huh. Nutella, okay. peanut butter thick, jiffy. Yeah, man, I nah, like man. that trampoline, <laughs> if you know what I mean. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. I, I did. 
I thought Vegas did a nice job with the Super Bowl, they man. Did. They did, man. They did a hell of a job. I, I, I heard nothing but great things. Um, they did a hell of a job, man. The presentation, um, you know, the aesthetic, the lights, the, the just the vibe, the energy. It was, it was awesome, man. Um, I can't, I can't deny it. They did a hell of a job. One of my favorite commercials though was the, um, was the Duck and Donuts Ben Affleck? Character, oh, I like uh, that with, with Matt Damon with Tom Brady. <laughs> hey, pretty... say, how about what's her name at the end? Hey, Tom, you could stay. Tom, you could stay. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, the Christopher Walken commercial was good too. Christopher Walken. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. That was why I liked it, man. Uh, it, was, it, it, it was good. Everything worked out last night, man. It was good. It was it was a good Super Bowl Sunday. You know what's crazy is that I thought for sure, man, we were gonna get some players out after night. We're going to have some issues like we always have with players. In, in Vegas, Nothing right? Nothing happened nope. last night, man. Everything was – it went, was a really good week of uh, NFL football. It was a great – yeah. I'll tell you what, Tone. It, th this is the craziest thing about the NFL, which shows you the power of the league. Mm -hmm. This is the first year without Tom Brady. And they had all-time record ratings. Yeah, that's a good point. They had all-time record ratings. They put on one of the best Super Bowls on the planet. It shows you where these other sports, and I, I I got a note for the NBA. Hey, don't do the trading deadline Super Bowl week. That's, that's not a that's, great that's, idea. That's idiotic. That's idiotic. I mean, you know what? I, I don't even I didn't even remember when the baseball awards came out. I'm like, don't do that stuff 18 miles or 18 months after the season's over. Because mm -hmm. nobody thinks you're relevant. The NFL has a market on a calendar, and they know how to use a sports calendar. Here's what's coming up. Watch free agency. The combines, the draft, OTAs, minicamp, training camp, season. I mean, doesn't basketball or the um, Major League Baseball, don't they know how to use a sports calendar? Here's their problem. They're too married to their sports calendar. They're afraid to move things around. They believe their product is whatever it is. And my thing is this, right? If I was the, if I was the NBA commissioner and I knew the Super Bowl was that week or whatever, I'm saying, hey, listen, you guys, the memo. Trade deadline's been extended to the following week. Yeah. Who's going to stop me? I'm the commissioner. Right. I'm doing it. I'm not competing with that. It's, it's about ratings. It's about money. And the, and, and, and the NBA better start realizing that. That's why the NFL is the, is the, is the most lucrative league in, in, all, in all of America in the world. Because they understand money. They know what it takes to make that dough. And they don't care what they got to do. Okay, I'm going to ask you one final question now. All right, let's do it. As a Eagle fan. Uh-oh. You better test me here. What's going on? Watching that game last night. Knowing what happened to your team. Mm -hmm. And watching the 49ers lose that game. Mm -hmm. Were you happy? Were you not happy? Were you happy for Mahomes and Andy? Were you glad that you went, you know... We may have shit to bed at the end of the year, but as long as Dallas and San Francisco are nowhere to be seen on that Lombardi platform, you know, I'll take the consolation prize, at least on that. And I'll walk out of the fair with my doll and I'll go home with it. As long as those two SOBs don't win it. <laughs> All right. All right, look at this guy. He's coming to the table here. Look at this. Okay. Hey, Niner fans, that shit hurt, don't it? 
<laughs> and they lost the same way. They're stoned. That's oh all my God. Never enough. That's never enough. That's fantastic. Hey, hey. Hey, listen, man. I love Eagle fans are the best because they do this. All right, we didn't win. We're the Cowboys. Well, shit, you got crushed by the Packers. Well, shit, you got crushed by the Bucks. Hey, we played our worst ball. You were playing your best ball. I always play. put it that and you could always go like this, Tone. Look, hey, man, we had a meltdown. And get this, you walked backwards into the NFC East. No shit. We had a horrible season and we won 11 games. You had a great season and won 12. Right, exactly. And here's got the thing, balanced. right? Another thing about them Eagles, it was trending that way. So it was a, so the fall was easier for me to handle because it was trending that way. But man, seeing those, seeing seeing Debo Samuel on that on that sideline, looking like somebody stole his chain. Oh my man! Would you make a Fletcher trolling him? Oh my God! I love Fletcher Cox. I love Fletcher Cox. I he got took, me one of these. How about he told, you? He told my <laughs> man. Look, Fletcher is so funny. He said, I've been holding on. He said, I've been holding on to this for so long. I got something that you don't got. Next time, keep the Eagles at your mouth, boy. Eater, you know what? <laughs> he told my man to eat a eat a Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, what is that? Eat a cucumber? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, go, yeah, go, yeah, go eat a cannoli. Yeah, right. Eat a cannoli, man. With extra oh, nuts in it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Hey, with extra oh, nuts in it, too, as far as I'm concerned. Yes, Tell sir, good man. stuff, man. It as was always, a great sir. Super Bowl. You know what? I, I would say this to you about your Eagles on the way out here. I think this is going to be one of the most interesting off-seasons in the last three years, or maybe since Doug, that the Eagles have had because there's so many decisions to be made, and there's so many things that they have to fix that the Niners – there's not going to be a lot. They don't have a lot of money, and they don't have a lot of holes. I don't know what their story is. Hey, by the way, real quick, you think Purdy's the future? I don't not think he's the future. But at the same time, I'm curious to know how they view it because they're funny about their quarterback position. And sometimes they can go – they can have wandering eyes at that position, the Niners huh. in my opinion. They can have wandering eyes. Remember when Jimmy G, he made it to the Super Bowl, but he didn't win. All of a sudden, hey, could Tom go there or could, you know, could Aaron Rodgers go there? They have wandering eyes at that position. So they love him now, but do they love him enough to commit long term? So you think John Lynch and them are doing, damn, look at that. Just saying. <laughs> Just saying. But look, I think Purdy did not play awful. He did not play bad. No. He, he, he didn't hurt them, in my opinion. Did, did he have moments where I felt like he should execute it better? Sure. But I don't think he hurt them. I think he's limited. I think he's limited. And also, we got to give credit to that defense. They made yep. him very uncomfortable in that second half. Dude, that offensive line and all them penalties that they had in timely situations, even Trent Williams. I can't even blame. Like how, I, look, I know Kyle, look, Kyle Shanahan is clearly known for choking away big games. But when I was watching that game – I wasn't sitting there saying, damn, Kyle, you're blowing this. I was looking at it like, yo, yeah. the, play, the players are blowing this. Yeah, no. No, I I, 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 I thought the Chiefs took it. Yeah, yes. yes. I thought I they think... took it from them. Hey, Chase Young made some money last night. Did he ever? That Listen, that market value just jumped up maybe about three or four million. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, everybody was saying when me and you were bringing it up, hey, that might be a guy you want to take a look at replacing uh, Brandon Graham. I'm, I'll take a I'm watching that guy last night kill that kill that tackle from Kansas City. He ran around him all night long. He destroyed him. He destroyed him. Um, I would even Randy take a Gregory shot. showed up. Yeah, right. Randy Gregory. Showed, I, I forgot they even had him on the roster. I forgot. Me too. First two series. First two series. They both had sacks. Yeah, yo, you know who was really playing out of their minds? Man, Javon Hargrave. Hargrave, Hargrave Dude, he, was he was stopping the run single-handedly. He he was didn't he get a fumble too? Or did uh, he cause one? Uh recovery, a fumble recovery. He got a fumble recovery in that. He was really good and I thought was, that Armstead kid was good. Yeah, yeah. Listen, Dude, the, but then the, late in the third, the game changed when Mahomes took off. The, 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 the Niners did not take advantage of what their defense gave them in that first half. Yep. Their defense, I, they shot their load. You listen, you can't hold on but so long against Mahomes. you got to score enough points. And the Niners, the offense, they missed their mark. I'll leave you with this comment when it comes to Alicia. Baby got Peanut back. butter. Peanut butter. How you doing? Peanut hey. butter. <laughs> <laughs> Tone, thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. I appreciate you as always, Sills. You got it. That's our good friend Tone. And you're right. Some of you, I saw you say that um, it was it, w- it wasn't a great Super Bowl for about a quarter and 10 minutes. Then it started picking up. All right. Hit the like button. We'll reset. Keep it here on the National Football Show. Bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money 
in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game, and the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Please hit the like button. We'll reset here in a second here, but here are your odds for teams to win the Super Bowl next year. These are your Vegas and Atlantic City odds. 10. Jacksonville, Atlanta, Chicago. Plus 3,000. And I'm like, Chicago? Atlanta? Jacksonville? Maybe the Jags are playoff team? Atlanta? South? Okay. Chicago's going to have a turnaround? Why? Because of Caleb Williams? Justin Fields at nine, the Chargers and the Jets. Okay, there's a change there. You now have Jim Harbaugh as the coach, and you have Aaron Rodgers back with the Jets. Okay, plus 2,500. How about this one at eight? These are odds to win the Super Bowl next year. Houston. Plus 2,200. Man, I might take that. CJ Stroud, is he going to get better? I think that's going to be an interesting watch next year. How good will he be? You know? How good will he be? Will he get better? What if he makes a Jalen Hurts jump? Shit, if he does, he's in the Super Bowl. Seven. Dallas at plus 2,000, Philadelphia at plus 2,000, Green Bay at plus 2,000. Of those three teams, I would take the Packers. I I think both Philly and Dallas, you're not trending in the right direction. I don't think. How about this? I don't think you're trending in the right direction personnel-wise. How many people in here believe that the Eagles are trending in a positive direction as an organization as of February 12th? I just want to get a I just want to get a feel for that. Philadelphia needs a new head coach. True? How many people believe that February 12th, the Eagles are trending in a right place? Personnel-wise, yes. Players, no. Personnel is the players. You mean coaching, I would think. If we keep our best players and draft good, we should be all right. Marcus, when have you drafted good? Okay. 
Our defense from week nine was the worst. Hell yes. In the right direction. Compared, I don't know what, wait, you're exactly right. Compared to who? We're the coordinators. You're not aiming in the right direction. Uh, my God. Spagnolo for the Eagles head coach. Drafted well. You sound uneducated. Okay, Jason, show me who you drafted at cornerback and linebacker and edge rusher in the last 20 years, last 15 years. Josh Sweat. Who? Corner, linebacker, and edge. In the last 15 years. Tell me, Jason, who? Hey, bro, if you're looking for a um, an education from an English class, you, you, class, you got the wrong place. Don't correct me. It's, I'm not here for that bullshit. I don't give a shit. Okay? Seals, you don't think the coordinators are better now? I, I do. I do, Slagger. I do. I, I, I do. But here, Slagger, let me ask you this. Do you think that here, and Tone's right, and so are a lot of you, but let me ask you flat out, do you truly believe that Kellen Moore is the right style of coordinator for Jalen Hurts. Slagger, do you think Kellen Moore is the right style for Jalen? Or did they just hire a name? By the way, he got a hold of Justin Herbert and ruined him. Anyone is better than Brian Johnson, says Senor. So, Senor, you got a $50 million quarterback. And so, you hear, see what Senor says? Anyone is better than Brian Johnson. So, you hired anyone. It's like hiring none of the above. Hurts ain't clutch, Matthew. You must have missed the Buffalo game. Seals, we have to wait and see what they do on the draft and free agency. Denny, how many years are you going to continue to say that to yourself about waiting to see what they're going to do in the draft and in free agency before you understand that you can't build a defense like that on a consistent basis where you're going to be a football? Like, get this. Do you guys think you have built a defense with the talent that you have, and do you think that Howie Roseman is in the same class as Brett Veach. Do you? Do you think Howie, Brett Veach runs circles around Howie? He runs circles around him. Howie, now that you see how Brett Veach built that defense with Reed 
and the coaches. He runs circles around him. I did want McDuffie. You guys all laughed at me and said he was too small. Now, again, I did say that I didn't think that Devontae would hold up. So I want to be transparent on that. Um, Chiefs are running circles around everybody. Denny, I asked you how they, when you look at their defense, how they built it. They built it because they got draft choices for Tyree Kill. They made tough cuts or tough decisions. They got rid of Honey Badger. They got rid of Orlando Brown. They got rid of Tyree Kill. They got rid of Juju Smith-Schuster. Juju Smith-Schuster was a dude. They got rid of all them guys. They didn't need them. It was about the way they did business. The Eagles can't draft corners and linebackers and edge rushers. You can't. So that's why I say trading A.J. Brown, like like like, like Tone and some of you guys say, still, so that means you're going to put more draft choices in the hands of Howie? It's a great comment. Dan, can you believe a dynasty like the 49ers are 0-3 in the Super Bowl since 95? Um, Very disappointing that the last Super Bowl they won, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, was the Steve Young 49ers Super Bowl Against the Chargers, the San Diego Chargers. I think that's the last time they won. Is that 90 the Chargers, right? All right. Let's let's revisit the Hassan Reddick stuff. How many people want to trade Hassan Reddick? You know, I he didn't even ask Tone that. Do you want to trade him? Or do you want to get rid of him? No. How we can't draft trade for Sertan. Q, correct. Nope, trade. Keep Hassan. I would trade anyone on the roster, right? That's a great comment. Who wouldn't I trade right now on the roster? Who wouldn't you... I think Kellen is the right style because he turned Dak's career around. Dak's not a dual threat. Lots of easy throws, scheming guys wide open very often. With Cooper and Gallup, he will improve Jalen's pocket presence. You think that's what Jalen does best? Pocket presence? Throwing the ball? Okay. I don't. Okay, I don't think that's his best asset. He'll improve? Okay. Well, he'll improve throwing the ball, but they don't want him running it anymore. So you're going to improve a guy who's good at throwing the ball. Above average. No, he's good. He's good at throwing it. 
I don't think he's a Super Bowl quarterback as a passer. That's not a Super Bowl guy who's going to win you a Super Bowl throwing the ball. Jalen Hurts is going to win you a Super Bowl because of what we saw with Mahomes last night and the way he ran and the way he threw. That's Jalen Hurts. You see, Patrick Mahomes won't last nine years playing that style. But Mahomes doesn't have to play like that. Tom brought a great point up about, um, you know, hey, how do you balance that? And you get Jalen into the postseason, and then you just let him go. Can he? Can he? Can he get us there? It's a great. It's a great theory in how you could coach a guy up like that. Hey, win me 10, 10, 11, 12 games, get into the postseason, and then unleash the RPO. That could. I I I don't know if I've ever seen it, but I saw it last night. Here's the guys I wouldn't trade on your team. Jalen Carter. Jalen Hurts. Mulata. Lane. Devontae. Anybody else? Landon. Jalen Carter, Jalen Hurts, Malata, Lane Johnson, Devontae Smith, Landon Dickerson. Is there anybody on the team you wouldn't trade for? Sills, I think they want Hurts to stay healthy, but he should run him here and there. I, I, I completely get Goddard, I'd trade him in a minute. Jake Elliott, I'm talking football players, dude. Jordan Davis, trade him in a second if I could get a first. How many people would take that? If somebody would offer a first rounder for Jordan Davis, would you take it? I would. You can have him. He's not a three-down lineman. He's not the 13th pick. Milton Williams. I'll put him on that list. Oh, wait, Josh Sweat. I'll put Milton on that line. Personally, I think Milton Williams is a better ball player than Jordan Davis. So if you're 53-man roster, Carter, Hurts, Malata, Lane, Devontae, Lane, Lana Dickerson, Josh Sweat, Milton Williams. Those are the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. You have eight players on your 53-man roster that I would not trade. The rest of them can have them. Jurgens, you can have them. AJ, give me the right deal. I'll trade him. Brandon Graham. He's fired. Um, I see a little something in Ringo. You can have him. Give me a draft pick for him. Um, yeah. So you think about it. You only have eight players on your roster right now. 
that you would want to protect. The rest of them, you can have. Blankenship, you can have them. Do I think Kelsey, the reason I didn't put Kelsey down, you can have Swift too. Swift was not an upgrade to Miles Miles Sanders. He was not a upgrade. He was not an upgrade. Um, you have eight players. Everybody, if somebody called my team, those are your core guys that you can build around. That's not horrible. That's not horrible. Eight players that you could build around. Chris goes, not an upgrade. Absolutely not an upgrade. You got out rushed. The second half of the season, almost every football game, your guy, Chris, was not a power back. He couldn't block to save his life when it came to third down. Actually, he's a good ball player, and I like DeAndre Swift with a Derrick Henry. I would like him, like the setup they have in Detroit. You put another back with him because, you know, he's just not a power back. He's a good player. I don't have a problem with him. But I, that's not somebody I'd want in my backfield. He couldn't take advantage. Get this. You had a guy who's not a power back and who Detroit fired. De- hey, let's do this. Detroit upgraded their run game. The Eagles downgraded theirs. And I think he fit perfectly to what they were wanting. The Eagles are trying, almost trying to become, like you said, Denny, a finesse team. He's a finesse back. Christian McCaffrey is more of a power back than you think. That guy showed up last night. He's not an upgrade. It's your opinion, Chris. That's why they won't. Chris thinks he's an upgrade. Well, Chris, bye-bye, Swift. They're not resigning him. They're not resigning him. How could he be an upgrade when the Eagles don't want him? How could he be an upgrade, Chris, when they don't want him? They don't want him. They're not going to spend $6.5 million for him. He was clearly an upgrade. Then why did you get out rushed every week at the end of the season? You got all them yards early in the season against shitty defenses, and then when you had to get into a game against some good teams, you got outrushed. Shit, the Giants outrushed you. Come on, man. Nobody in their right mind thinks DeAndre Swift was an upgrade. Miles Sanders, his 12 touchdown runs, his 12 TD runs, and his 1,300 yards. Come on, man. By the way, one thing I told you, you didn't replace. Hertz had like around 780 yards last year. What's his name? Had around 1,300 yards, 1,290 or something, whatever it was. Okay, that's 2,000 rushing yards that you had in that 2022 year. That number got cut in half because Hertz didn't run as much. It was something like 1,400 yards. You lost like 600, 
700 yards in rushing. Coaching. Okay, coaching. Then why did they take him out all the time in the red zone? Why was Kenny Gainwell fed? Tell me something. Why was Kenny Gainwell a factor then? Whatever. He won't be on the ball team in 2022. Dan, would you trade Reddick? Um, and, and how many yards did he have? I think it was 1,200. Whatever. Chris, if, Chris, I'll tell you what. You take him, you can have DeAndre Swift. He won't be on the ball team. If he's so great, why isn't he coming back? Chris, why isn't your boy coming back? If he's so important, a pro bowler, why isn't he coming back? We'll see. Yeah, because that's what the Eagles do. They spend $6.5 million on running backs. Okay. Keep telling yourself that. Five Star goes, who said Swift isn't coming back? Because when he gets in the open market, he's going to get $6 million or five and a half. And the Eagles aren't paying that. He's a free agent. They're not paying that. Why don't you, why, it, this isn't a me thing. This is your behavior. So five-star, what running back have you paid five to $6 million for in the last 10 years? Who? Who's how he paid for that money in the last 10 years? Who? But he's going to change now. No teams paying that? Carolina did. Dude, I'm, I'm, I'm off. I don't give a shit about Swift. Okay? I, I really don't. I don't give a shit about him. He's a non-factor on my team. Okay? He's a non-factor. They need to get a power back in there, and they need to get somebody in there that can run the football and run with some power and help that kid out. Personally, draft a kid. You'd more of an upgrade drafting someone, okay? Boston Scott and Kenny Gainwell are dudes. Hey, great. To, remember when you guys were trying to pimp to me that, that uh, Rashad Penny was going to be a factor? He was a bum. It was a waste of two and a half million bucks. That you could have spent on a safety or a linebacker. Talk about misappropriating of funds. Your corners, a running back this last year, those trash can linebackers you kept stockpiling after stockpiling. How many, how much bad money did you throw after bad players last year? As good as 22 went, look at the bad money that you spent. It was all over the place. 
Swift carried the team. You can have him. Once again, he will not be on this football team. Okay? He will not be. You have eight players that you can build around. Free agency starts in a few weeks. I guarantee you he gets out in the open market. Shit, man. Hassan Reddick is more of a player than he is. In 2023, Swift had 1,049 yards rushing, 4-6 per attempt, five touchdowns. 22 Sanders had 1,269, 4-9 a carry, and 11 touchdowns. Okay. Look at the 11 touchdowns. And Hurts, what he have lat- that year too? Hey, Aton, between between Sanders and and Hurts in 22, didn't Jalen have like 12 rushing touchdowns that year too? Didn't he have like? Tw- didn't he have like? Something like twelve or something like that. So they had, or or fourteen maybe was it? They had like twenty five rushing touchdowns. I thought it was something in the room like that, where it was 23, 25 touchdowns between them, and twenty two, between those two guys. He had thirteen. Okay, so they had twenty four touchdowns between the both of them, in two thousand twenty two. That's quite a number, especially when they're pretty close to each other when it came to rushing TDs. Now, again, I think Miles Sanders had one great year because the year previous to that, I don't think he had a rushing touchdown. Hey, guys, you can have him. It's okay. I guarantee you that that running back room will be different when the start of September starts. Okay? Guarantee you. On on the Reddick, I would say this to you. As for Reddick, Reddick's going to go on the open market. And he's going to be very disappointed. I would say that Hassan Reddick will be offered between 12 and the 15 he makes now, there's not a chance in hell that's a $20 million a year player. And his agent, I wonder who his agent is. His agent wants 20. In 22, Hertz and Sanders, they combined for 2,029 yards and 24 touchdowns. In 2023, Hertz and Swift, they accounted for 1,659 yards and 20 touchdowns. Right. So, in theory, um, they lost something like 450 yards rushing. They lost 450 yards. And by the way, that 20 TDs, 
is misleading. You know why? I believe, if I'm not mistaken, 15 of them are Hertz's. In 2022, Hertz and Sanders shared the load of running the ball. In 2022, when it came to touchdowns and red zone, Hertz was your red zone back. It wasn't Swift. Jalen had 15. In 2022, one guy had 13, and the other guy, correct, Hertz had 15 and 23, and 13 and 20 and 22. They shared it. They shared the running game. Swift was not an upgrade. Was not an upgrade. Let's talk about the Eagles. Like we are in, are the Cowboys and Niners. We have won a Super Bowl, been back to the Super Bowl. Richard. I believe in Nick, Howie and Nick. Go right ahead, dude. I mean, you have a clown for a head coach, and you have a general manager who can't draft. Good luck to you. Been to a Super Bowl? 49ers have been to two Super Bowls also. Okay? They haven't won. Great. Congratulations. No, no, no. Richard, your coach is an ass clown. That's who your coach is. I mean, I don't know who tells more lies. Him, Biden, or Trump. You pick one. <laughs> I mean, really. I've lost count of all the fibs. Hey, you know, I was up in Seattle, and we called the play. We were hoping for pass interference. And, and your boy, A.J. Brown, Richard. Goes like this. That never happened. Oh, okay. That 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 never happened? All right. Let me take a timeout. One last thing about the Super Bowl last night. Super Bowl 58. Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes. What's next for the Niners? Hit the like button. Keep it here, National Football Show. bubbly go for the story and the stories go for the win go to ocean casino resort book your trip at theoceanac.com
Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their fantasy pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. I, I I gotta tell you, sometimes when you tweet something out, you you get yourself in a little bit of a trouble. Uh, did you see what Troy Aikman did in 2000, I think 19? Somebody tweeted something out when he won the Super Bowl or something. He said that he has thrown already for like 33% of what Troy Aikman's touchdown passes were in the three Super Bowls that um, Aikman was in, and Aikman fired back in 19. Hey, um, let me know when he – let me know when I'm paraphrasing here. He goes, let me know when he's um, at 36% or 33% of my Super Bowl titles. Well, hey, Troy, I just text Troy. I go, Troy, you might want that one back, kid. That might be an old take, okay? You, you, you might wanted that one back because now he's at four, or excuse me, at three, and he's got three Super Bowl MVPs, okay? Danny, sales quickly, what's Hassan's trade value? It's, it, it that's, would you trade in the Buffalo? Von Miller's got to be out of there. No way a second. Not happening. He's a liability on defenses, dude. He's a third. He's, he's not. He can't tackle. And he can't cover. What coordinator wants that? If he can't get home, so you're gonna pass. Hey, you're gonna pass rush him every down. What defense does that with edge rushers like Parsons? He plays like Parsons and Garrett. Those guys drop. He's a liability. He's really a liability on your defense. If he doesn't get home, he's a liability. I'm not giving you a two for him. Okay, I'm I'm not I'm not giving you a two for him. So a third, hey, and by the way, Denny, um, I think a third round pick. I think that's I think that's a, a, I think that's a quality pick. I think you could do a lot of damage with a third round pick. Fred Warner was a third round pick, so I wouldn't go crazy on that. Okay, Samuel says I. 
from the UK. I'm looking to follow an NFL team. Eagles, Niners, Chiefs, Bills, Packers, Be my get. That's where I'd go. Ravens? Yeah, I'm good with that. How many Super Bowls Kyle Shanahan won? Well, the Shanahan family has two at least. Absolutely. A fifth-round pick? No way. I think he's a third. I'd give you a third. Sills. Thank you, brother. Great show. Another, hey, all good, Matt. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. Let me just say this in closing here about that Super Bowl. Mahomes stamps it, man. Andy Reid stamps it. We're looking at something that we haven't seen since Bill Walsh and Joe Montana. Play calling head coach and a signal caller like that, not even in New England because uh, Belichick wasn't the play caller. Um, we're living in the era now of what Michael Jordan was in the NFL. Kid's fantastic. God, this is going to be a great offseason. So much to hit on. We'll, we'll, we'll take a look at landing spots tomorrow, more so for Hassan Reddick, and we'll dive into that. I appreciate it. Xander, thank you. Big Joey, thank you. Um, you guys have been awesome. Tone, thank you so much. Mark Farzetta for coming aboard with us. Two to six tomorrow, and we shall see you on the flip side. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.